For streaming, creating, gaming, and more, power your passions for less during Dell's exceptional cyber savings event. Enjoy up to $400 off stunning laptops like the XPS, along with high-performance desktops and next-level Alienware systems, redefining what's possible with 10th-gen Intel Core processors. Shop special prices on top-brand electronics and accessories, plus enjoy free shipping on everything. Don't forget to ask for Intel when you call 1-800-BUY-DELL. That's 1-800-BUY-DELL. Hello, it is Tuesday, January 22nd, 2019, and the Super Bowl is set and ready to go. A lot of drama, a lot of question marks, and we cover it all. An incredible conversation with Adam Vinatieri. He talks about the Adam Schefter report this weekend, about him coming back for his 24th season. He talks about everything from playing under Bill Belichick's regime. He basically kicked this whole dynasty off. Yeah, he did in the tuck roll, mm -hmm. to what he's doing now, his life. It's an incredible conversation. We dive deep, and we fix the NFL with Mike Florio. Mm -hmm. Mike Florio called in and fixed the NFL, plus reaction to everything that happened this weekend, including a lot of documentary watching. Now, speaking of documentary, this is something you're going to want to document. Mm -hmm. SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor, right. is doing a, a discount right now that seems to be outrageously dumb. Mm. You tell me. SeatGeek wants me to read this verbatim. Okay. We have a special discount for Super Bowl tickets. You can get $300 off Super Bowl tickets with the code PAT300. <laughs> That's $300 off Super Bowl tickets with the code PAT in the numbers 300, PAT300. You can use this even if this is not your first SeatGeek order. Listen, <sighs> listen, whether you want to go to the Super Bowl or not, LA, Boston. In the Super Bowl, these tickets are going to be worth a lot of money. Oh, yeah. $300 off the Super Bowl tickets right now with promo code PAT300 from SeatGeek. As always, you can get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase with the code PAT. So if you're a high roller, use code PAT300 and get that mega discount for the Super Bowl. If not, use code PAT for $10 off. Shout out to SeatGeek for making it much more affordable yeah. to go to the world's biggest game. <laughs> this is a superb hour we're talking about. Get your ass down there. $300 off Super Bowl tickets with code PAT300. Shout out to SeatGeek for doing that. I don't think it's smart. I don't think it's smart at all. Nope. But I love that they're doing it. And I love that they're a sponsor of this show. Take advantage of that today. And with the money that you save there, why don't you go throw it into something that you know will make a lot of money for you? And that's what the Robin Hood app. Robin Hood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs. Do you know what that means? Uh, Economic, something traded funds, electronic. Traded funds. Nailed it. Options and cryptos, all commission-free. They strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. Non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with confidence. Nope, confidence. Tell your confidant that you have confidence <laughs> with Robinhood. It's simple and intuitive, clear design with data presented in an easy-to-digest way. So even if you have no clue what ETFs are, stocks, options, or cryptos, it's commission-free, and now is the time to get in because it's never been easier. It's time to invest with confidence. There's no commission fees. Other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, but Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees. Trade stocks and keep all of your profits, all of them. It's easy to understand charts and market data. Place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You just made a bunch of money. 
with no commission fees. Robinhood web platform also lets you view stock collections, i.e. the 100 most popular sectors like entertainment and social media and curated categories like female CEOs and analyst ratings of buy, hold, sell for every single stock. Learn how to invest as you build your portfolio because you always got to diverse fi mm-hmm. your portfolio. Yep, that's correct. Diversify. <laughs> <laughs> Discover new stocks and track favorite companies with personalized news feeds. Custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio today when you sign up at McAfee.Robinhood.com. That's M-C-A-F-E-E dot Robinhood.com. Got a good one for you. Let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now is a man who's an absolute legend in the game of life and the game of football. This past weekend, Adam Schefter, Adam Schefter made the announcement that he is coming back for his 24th season. He's the NFL's all-time leading scorer and the man, pun intended, who kicked off this Patriots, Patriots dynamic run, dynasty run. Ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for Adam Vinatieri. What an introduction. Holy moly. How are you, brother? I mean, we'll get into some things here. Kansas City Chiefs game, not your best game of all time, but you got away from it a little bit. How's the mindset after being the first guy to ever, ever break the the points record and also maybe a guy who's just going to keep stacking that on in your 24th season? It has to. You have to look back on this season and be excited about yourself. It was a good year, you know. All in all, the, it was it was fun for. Well, and first, let me start by saying Adam Scheffner never ever talked to me. I don't know where he gets his insight, <laughs> but I never talked to me. I know I know I had a conversation with you a week ago, but or three or four days ago, but never talked to him. So where he's getting his intel, I don't know what's going on with that. But going back to the season, uh, yeah, you know, it was a, it was a it was an interesting year. We started off slow as a team, and and then we turned it around, and was kind of like there was no hotter team in the league. We just, uh, you know, it would have been nice to start a little faster, have some home field playoff games, and who knows uh, how how far we could have went. I agree. You did talk to me last week. You did tell me that you were planning on coming back. I chose not to release that information because I think our friendship is much more important than me getting 10,000 retweets, although getting 10,000 retweets <laughs> is very important. I would like to <laughs> well, you should have did it then, you know, that's that's certain things are more important, you know, I, I appreciate that. But uh, like I said, I haven't, uh, I haven't really talked to anybody other than uh, yourself and, and I guess the GM a little bit last week. And we just kind of expressed our interests in that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I really loved how the season uh, kind of finished uh, up until the last playoff game. You know, the guys were really playing well. We got a good young powerful team moving forward uh with some great leadership and man i tell you what if we can if we can start like we kind of finish the season off we we should have a real good season next year and you know nothing against the guys that are playing now i know football's not over but i'm excited for next year uh, in, in our team moving forward i think the culture inside the Colts right now is like it was back in the day. It felt like the team liked each other, which was is a big deal when in sports. You're the only guy who has won the Super Bowl, well, not only for the Patriots, but for the Colts, and you're still in the locker room from them from two regimes ago, almost three regimes ago you've been around. What is the feeling like in the building? If it's similar to the past, new, what do you think it's like? 
It, it's awesome. You know, on teams that have, have won championships and, and got to the big game and all that, there's a certain vibe and feel in the locker room. You know, everybody always talks about how, how there's a brotherhood in that locker room. There's not a bunch of dissension. There's not a bunch of guys that kind of go off on their own. It's really a, a team atmosphere. And I really started feeling that this year. I really did. I think you, you really have to credit uh, Chris Ballard for bringing in players and guys and, and hiring Frank. And, and, and I tell you, you can't say enough good things about Frank as well. He, he's a, he's a type of a coach that he's, he's always very constant guys know what to expect from him. The highs aren't too highs. The lows aren't too lows. He just, he, he's very steady every day and, and guys can really feel good about that. And, you know, having Andrew back was a big thing. And then, you know, we, we got some really good young superstars that some all pros, some, some guys that really did a nice job. And, and, and that's to, to credit, you know, those two gentlemen that I said, Chris and Frank, about bringing in the right type of personnel, bringing in the right draft choices that could, could not only play well, but good locker room guys, good team guys. And it's fun to watch because, you know, everybody sat there at the beginning of the season saying we were, you know, dead Shit. last in power rankings. We're going to finish dead last. And, you know, we didn't disappoint people the first, the first five or six games, but but we really turned it on and and showed teams that are showed people that we we've got a lot of juice and some good young players and and I think moving forward it's we're just going to build on that and it's it's a great locker room it's a fun group of guys to be around guys work their butts off it, it, unselfishly wanting to to get better and help the team and and I think this team is really on the uphill uh, you know is really really climbing uh, I think we're noticing that Frank Reich outside of that Philadelphia Eagles locker room could be a bigger problem than anybody could have guessed. There's a lot of rumors coming out that Frank could handle the egos between Carson Wentz, Foles, and everybody in there. I don't know if that's true, but from my vision, Frank Reich looks like an incredible head coach. Speaking of incredible head coaches, you used to kick at a place, obviously, that has been on this run of success that nobody can compare. I think it's going to be impossible. 13 AFC championship games in 17 years for Tom Brady. You were there. You started this whole thing off with the snow kick, the tuck rule, then the Super Bowl championships over there. Why are the Patriots so damn good for so long, do you think, Vinny? Man, I, t I tell you what, and I'll be the first one to admit, you know, every year you, you hear the experts saying, oh, they're getting too old, they don't have the juice, and I start to believe, you know, you start hearing that and believing it, and then they just turn around and keep doing exactly what they did every year. You know, everybody sits there and says, Tom's getting too old, this or that, and every year, year in and year out, he just keeps showing up and playing in these big games and finding ways to win. And I tell you, between, between having him as your quarterback and having Bill Belichick as your head coach, he, he, can, he can make an amazing team with whatever he's got. I mean, he just he puts a game plan together. He, he gets guys to, to really excel and, and play to their utmost talent. And, and I, I tell you what, you know, you know, halfway through the season, everybody's talking, well, the Patriots maybe don't have it. And, and, I, and I always just sit there and shake my head and laugh because as long as Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are there, they're going to be one of those teams that are always in the mix and in the hunt. And, and sure enough, they always show up for the big games. I, I, I saw, you know, a quote or something earlier that says, man, people, people just can't wait till Tom retires. Well, myself included, you know, being on an opposing team when, when he's playing and, and, and Belichick's coaching, it, it's, it's always a tough day when you have to go against those guys. That's for sure. Did Belichick teach you anything mentally, you think, or 
anything whenever you were there that has made you become the greatest of all time at your position, whether it was something he did in practice, something he said to you in a team meeting, something the way he carried himself. Is there anything that you took away from the, your era or your time with the Patriots where you're like, you know what, that has made me become the greatest kicker of all time? Well, I don't think it not only made me better, but it made everybody in that building better. Um, I wouldn't say it's always a, a fun, comfortable place. I mean, you're you're always you're always on on check. I guess you know everybody's always looking to every single time you do anything, they expect the best out of you. And and you know what? He he made players played better. I mean, he he took average players and made them great, and great players even better. You know, and the the, the thing that he can do really really well is there's in in the National Football League and. 2019 now there's plenty of egos and plenty of people that um, feel a certain way but he can take a group of men and make them play together I, I remembered you know there was a, a slogan on the wall that says do your job and, and I think he could do he can make guys do that as well or better than anybody out there make sure you knew exactly what what you were supposed to do individually and then um, put a game plan together that if everybody did their, did their job, drank the Kool-Aid, so to say, you had a chance of winning games. And, and, and I think as you see that year in and year out, it's easy for new draft choices or, or free agents to come in and, and believe in the schemes and the philosophies. And when everybody buys in, it doesn't matter how good the scheme is one way or another. If everybody's on the same page and everybody's doing exactly what you're supposed to, you're a hard team to beat. Hey, did you expect this from Dwayne Allen and Philip Dorsett? I mean, I remember watching Philip Dorsett make one-handed grabs on the sideline, jumping up and snagging it, making huge plays in practice. But then in the game, he'd like disappear. And Dwayne Allen, I don't know what happened with him. He was hot with us early, and then he kind of stopped getting the ball. Something happened. I have no idea what happened in the locker room. Those two have gotten a restart up there. And it seems what happens anytime you get into that Patriot places, you get a restart, you get a chance to dominate here, and is that why? Because he just expects everybody to do their job and it's like one singular vision and focus? I think so. I think everybody has a role when you get to that team, any team, you know, every team, you have a certain role. But but I think, you know, those two guys are, are playmaker type guys. I mean, you know, Dwayne and, and uh, Philip were, were both high draft choices. We, we knew that they were quality players. And, and I think, you know, they plugged them into their role there and said, you know, this is what I expect from you. And if you play well, you're going to get some shots and credit both of those two players. They've, they've done a really nice job over there. Phillips making big catches that are, that are, are uh, turning out to be touchdowns the last few weeks and, and Dwayne as well. I mean, they're, they're both playing very, very well and had a resurgence in their career and kudos to them. You know, I'm happy for those guys. Uh, you know, they're t former teammates and friends of mine. So uh, you know, I want to cheer them on, and, and hopefully they do well. Do you remember Dorsett would make, like, once a week, he'd make a top 10, Sports Center top 10 catch in practice. And then he, would, <laughs> he wouldn't do shit in the game. I was like, what are we, we're not even giving him, I don't even think we're giving him the ball. I, I don't even think, I think he might have been, like, the fifth option on a lot of plays. And then in practice, he'd be on, like, the scout team playing against our, our, um, our starting defense. And he'd be going up in this crowd and just, I'm like, what? Why are we doing these on Wednesday? Like, why? Why is this all happening on a fucking Wednesday? And why? It was. It was a very. It was an interesting thing. You've got to see 
a lot of football in your life. And every time I go to these TV networks and they ask me, I get asked the same question. It's like, as a kicker or a punter, do you think you can break down the game like other people do? I'm like, yo, I had a front row fucking seat to a lot of things, man. And Vinatieri, you, you've been doing this for 24 years now. Your football IQ is, I, I would say... I mean, let's put a Belichick ahead of you, I guess, because we have to, But in Tom Brady. But your football IQ is next level. I mean, situational-wise, most situations in football revolve around special teams' decisions at the end of it, whether it's the end of a half, the beginning of a half, going for it on fourth downs. Situational shit is normally all surrounding around special teams. So those who are affected by it normally have to invest in it, which is what me and Vinatieri did. When you leave the, right. when you leave the game of football, are you going to coach? Are you going to go hunt? Are you going to be a media man? What are you going to be with this wealth of knowledge that you have in the football world? Well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ever going to quit playing football. So, you know, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, hey, you do know, you? I, hey, I hey, 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 hold on. Do, you, do are you? I want this is man to man talking. We can't dump this if your answer is wrong. Do you think when you retire from football, you're going to die like Paterno? <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. I got way too many things on my bucket list that I want to do. So if, if the good Lord takes me away, I'm going to be pissed because there's too many things that I still want to do when, when, when it's finally time to be done. That's for sure. What is on I, that you know, I see that too. I see that too. You know, you see these people that, that, that work their whole life. And when they stop, they just, they stop living. That, not for me. My, <laughs> I got, I got a bunch of family stuff. I'm, I'm enjoying watching my kids grow and play sports and do all that stuff. So that's, that's a ton of fun, but yeah, you'll probably find me on the mountain somewhere uh, chasing after some animals and stuff like that. But I don't think I'll ever get completely away from football. I love it too much. You know, I love the relationships that you build and, and hopefully, you know, hopefully I, I don't see myself coaching. I think those guys put and God bless them, but they put in tons and tons and tons of hours, hours that most people don't see and realize unless you're in the building. And so, you know, um, you know, they're the unsung heroes that help guys perform and do the best that they can do. And, and they don't, they don't get the recognition that they probably deserve unless you're a superstar coach, like, you know, like the coaches that we're discussing that, that have won championships and Super Bowls and all that. But, you know, the other, the, the assistant coaches that put in, you know, hundred hour work weeks and sleep at home and don't go home till midnight and they're back in the building at four thirty in the morning. That's a that's a huge commitment and uh, maybe a little more than I'm willing to do at this point. <laughs> hey man, you're way too rich to be doing that shit. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're about to start collecting your 401k soon. You're also collecting an NFL paycheck. I'm not sure if you'll ever retire, but we are all lucky to watch you work, my brother. You're an impressive human. You look good this year too. You're hitting the ball well at your old ass age. Well, I appreciate you, buddy. Well, the fun thing is, is uh, I still enjoy. Uh, Still enjoy doing it as much as ever and, and uh, miss you out there holding uh, every once in a while. You know, you always used to get me to work way back into the range, and, and, and I still try to do that to this day. You know, if you're hitting them from 60, then when you step out there at, at 50 yards, uh, they, they're not quite as scary. So I appreciate you always pushing me to the limits on that and still trying to do that stuff. I loved it, man, in practice. Uh, how many we kicking today? Vinny would be like uh, 8 to 10, and then I would set – 
I would set where the kicks would be, right? <laughs> so it was like Tom McMahon, let us handle it. Vinny would just tell us the number he wants to kick, and then I would set it. We'd start out on a close one to the hash, and then we'd bounce around. Every single fucking kick. He was like 40-some years old at this point. Every single kicking session, two times a week, we were ending at at least 60, depending on how he kicked it the last one, and we could even go back. I felt like I had a pretty good measure, though, on exactly how far you had each day. Honestly, I feel like I did have a good measure or a good read on that. Yeah, you were spot on. I mean, as long as I was hitting them well, we would, the last kick would be just a, you know, a foot or a yard over, you know, we, you, you did a nice job with that. You, I think you had a better eye for it than I did. I would just trust you and, and, uh, swing away and let you do the work. There was one you were my spotter, you know what I mean? Yeah, I really was like his caddy. There was one where it was like a, probably a 56 or 57 yarder, but he hit it thin. Right. So I knew you hit it thin, but it still went in. But like it might have hit the upright and one in. And I was like, all right, we're going to go back 61. We're going to go back 61. And Tom McMahon was like four fucking yards. We just hit the thing. I was like, I hit it thin. He hit it thin. He hit it thin. And I think Vinny heard Tom McMahon talking shit to him. And I was like, oh, yeah, even better. (laughs) Even better what you just did. And he would bomb it. Nope. It was like an electric atmosphere in there, too, when Vinny would hit a long one. Because it's in the middle of practice. They stop practice for the field goal to happen. It's kind of like a break for a lot of people. Offensive line just getting their step. D-line's getting their steps, but everybody stops whenever somebody's hitting a 60-some yard field goal, and it goes in, and they're like, holy shit, okay, round of applause. Let's go ahead and end this yeah. practice off on a good note. You were the man. You're fun to watch, and uh, I can't wait to see you next year for your 24th season. I appreciate you, buddy. Well, and if uh, if there's any breaking news, it's coming out of you first, not Adam Scheffner, you know what I mean? Well, see, that's the... I don't want to do... Because I don't want you to... It's a, it's a fine balance. <laughs> I have a lot of information right now about the NFL that people text me and tell me. And I don't know if they tell me to break the news, if they're just giving me a heads up to prep for it. But I never want to ruin that friendship thing with people, if that makes sense. I never, mm-hmm. want, I never want people to think that they, can, they can't tell me. Like Schefter's sure. life, there's no way he can talk to any human. <laughs> Any human anywhere about football and not think that this is potentially getting leaked everywhere. I don't, I don't know. Right on. You know what I mean? No, I mean, you're absolutely right. Yes. Yep. Yep. That's so, a, it's a, fi- a thin line, that's for sure. Well, until I go broke, I won't start fucking selling everything <laughs> Vinny, I appreciate you, man. Take care. Adam Vinny. My pleasure, buddy. Good to talk to you. You too. Cheers, man. All right, buddy. Take See care, bud. Yeah, you too. See Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now to discuss the championship weekend. That was. He's an Italian. He's handsome. He's successful. He's on the television. He's on the internet. Not on those suck sites, Gorman. I'm talking about all over the NFL. One of the voices of the NFL. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for the founder of Pro Football Talk, friend of the show, Mike Florio. Patrick, thank you. Hello. Hey. We meet again. Hey, I had to text you to have you on today, even though you were on last week, and I thank you so much for taking time out of it. Let's get right to it. How does Bill Vinovich's crew fucking miss that helmet-to-helmet, spear, and pass interference on that play, which would have sealed the game for the Saints, basically, and sent the city of New Orleans to the Super Bowl worth hundreds of millions of dollars, not only for the franchise, the players, the town, the city, everything. How do they miss that, Mike? We know when you watch the replay, you can see there's an official looking right at the collision between the Kel Roby Coleman and Tommy Lee Lewis. And I think what happens is you've got middle-aged and older people out there expected to try to, number one, survive amid 
early 20-somethings gladiators in full gear and they're moving around quickly and you're trying not to get trampled and then you're also trying to see what's happening in real time with the naked eye. And I think that the game moves too fast at times for the naked eye. And in that first glance, it doesn't sometimes look as obvious, as blatant, as as egregious as it maybe is. And I know watching it yesterday when it first happened, I thought, oh, that's close. That may not be a foul. And then on replay, you slow it down a little bit. It's like, oh, my God, he wipes him out before the ball gets there. And I just think that it's just a basic reality. These guys sometimes miss the play. And that's why I've been an advocate for a long time of having some someone there who is watching in a booth, who is a member of the crew, who is there to help them, not as a replay function, but just as a second set of eyes that is actually watching what we see at home to bridge that gap between what those officials are trying to see in real time while they're, number one, trying to stay alive, and number two, what the rest of us are seeing at home. And, and hopefully the NFL is going to move in that direction. I've never heard that they've considered it, but that's, that's the easiest and simplest way to fix it because you just can't catch every one of these plays in real time, and sometimes you need some help. I don't know if this is what the MLS does, but a lot of people showed up in my comments and were like, in soccer, there's a guy that's in his headset that's like, or a woman, sorry, that, that, I meant guy like random human, mm-hmm. in the headset while they're on the field, like, no, 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 that isn't the right call, or yes, 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 that is the right call. I think that would be an easy fix for this entire situation and also speed up the fucking game. Every time one of these reviews happens, it puts a complete pause button on the flow of the game. There has to be a way to expedite the entire process. Yeah, and I say get somebody and put that person in black and white stripes, make them a member of the crew, and have them feel like a member of the crew. They travel with the crew. They're part of the crew. They go to meetings with the crew. They just aren't on the field. They are at that same vantage point the rest of us have, and and you do it quickly. You make it efficient, and you still have the separate replay function, but you know what? You wouldn't need to use the replay function all that often because so many of the obvious mistakes would be fixed immediately, and you would fix any mistake, whether it's something that's reviewable, not reviewable, anything that that person sees that that would be a reflection of what we see. When we shout at the TV saying, what in the hell is going on? That's the person it, who's there to makes, essentially be the voice of us saying, it, what it, the hell are you doing? It, Fix it. It makes too much sense because they do that huddle up anyways. They do a little huddle up on the field, and they're not allowed to look at the Jumbotron for whatever reason. Normally, whenever they're huddled up, you hear the crowd react either for or against whatever call they're about to make. In that huddle, you get Cuzzy who's up in the booth in the stripes just be like, uh, yep, we all just saw the same replay that you guys are wrong. Just no flag. Pick that fucker up. We got second down. Let's keep it moving. And then they come out of the huddle. They look like heroes. We are picking up the flag. Boom. It's like nothing even happened there. If the coaches still want to challenge, the coaches can still challenge whatever they want to do. Let's take a little bit of a longer look. But that does seem, hey, Mike, that does seem like the right answer to this whole thing. And Pat, I've been saying it for four or five years. And here's the way the NFL operates. They don't fix these problems proactively. They wait for something embarrassing to happen. And then all of a sudden, they have to come up with a solution. It's always reactive, not proactive. And I don't know how you run a multi-billion-dollar business that way. That's the embarrassing aspect of it. They never get creative ahead of time and try to spot the things that could blow up on them. They wait for something to blow up, and then they act like they had no idea it could blow up. Yeah, that's that's the... That's the playing defense style of everything. Let's just see what happens, and then we'll fend it off if it arises. Because it doesn't matter till it matters, Mike. We all know that. That's the football world. How about on the other side there? 
the blatant missed call on the roughing the passer where Cuzzy slaps Tom Brady in the shoulder. That's on a third down. They pick up a nice first down there. D Ford, what a idiot of a human six inches off sides the entire city of kansas city missouri and kansas city kansas would have lost two cities would have burned down <laughs> if that happens i mean it was uh that the afc game had a lot of question marks in it as well mr florio yeah but maybe you know what the same thing we're discussing that same procedure could be used for the roughing the passer call you could have the video official dial in the Cleet Blakeman instantly and say, hey, Cleet, you, you aren't really in good position to see that. He actually didn't hit him in the head, pick up the flag. And so the, the next thing you know, Cleet Blakeman says there's no foul for roughing the passer, and you move on. And we do see that oh, all the shit. time when a this flag gets thrown, and, and then 10 seconds later they tell us there's no penalty. So that's that's what you need. And Gene Steratore was on CBS, and he said, hey, I don't want to defend Cleet here, but you know he's not in a position to really see that. Well, he threw the flag. He thought he was. And if there's that extra set of eyes, that is in a booth that can say to him, hey, hey, Cleet, you're wrong, then that's the best way to fix it. And, and that, that's another example of, of how useful that would be. You know, there's a lot of Rams fans who are salty because there was a Jared Goff uh, uh, face mask that wasn't called. Hey, that same procedure we're talking about could be used for that too. There were, I see this face masks in every game, it seems like. Wildcard weekend, there was at least one in three of the four games. So you have that device in place. And, huh. You know, again, anything we're yelling about, because we see it on a 70-inch flat screen, there should be somebody there who can, who can yell that same way. It, it makes too much sense to not do it. It made too much sense to not do it before yesterday. Now, after yesterday, they, it's almost like they have no choice but to embrace something like that. We'll see if they do. You said you've been on. By the way, I don't enjoy you just taking that ricochet shot at goddamn Gene Steratore, Italian from Pittsburgh. <laughs> you should have a little respect. But uh, you you said you've been saying this for four or five years now. This is this is the did you think of this? Do you deserve credit for this? If this comes in to be, is this the Florio rule or is this well, did you get this from somebody else? No, no, I mean, look, I, this isn't like I discovered plutonium. I mean, it's a fair, I think it's a <laughs> pretty much, by the way. You know, I mean, it's it's I, I think it just makes it just makes sense. I, I've been bothered by that gap between what the officials see and what we see, and, and that's the problem when you're in pit, and Pat, you've been there when you're in the oh, middle yeah. of it all, it feels different and it looks different than it does coming through a, a screen at home. And, and they need to get that gap between what the officials see and what we see closed. And that's the easiest way to do it. And replay review is too formal. It takes too long. It's too limited. They need to embrace the technology. And I, I've said this before as well. They need to just tear the officiating function down and rebuild it in light of all modern technologies. This is something that was crafted when the game first started 100 years ago, and they make a little tweaks and they make a little twist and they evolve it and they evolve it. It needs a revolution, not an evolution, and maybe that's what oh. happens for this. Although I don't think they're nearly, they're nearly willing enough. This isn't bad enough to get them to say we have to completely rebuild the officiating function. But this other thing, yeah, I've been saying it for a few years, and I knew all along at some point it's going to become relevant because it's going to be a big enough of a screw-up to make it relevant. Hey, you sound like you're running for office there. We need a revolution, <laughs> not an evolution. <laughs> we need this. That was an incredible – That's this is a genius idea. No, we'll see if they do anything with it. Sometimes I feel like if they don't think of it, themselves they won't do it like like they won't embrace things from college football because well college does it that way so we don't want to do it that way whether it's overtime whether it's the college replay system i think there are people on the competition committee that love the college replay system because it's quick it's efficient it's all handled on site mm -hmm. and they never have these controversies and they they far more often than not seem to get things right mike mike and, mike and having this mike yeah. 
you can throw a Red Sox on a spot. That's the, that's a referee's right there. That's him saying, hey, I believe the spot is right here. Coach can throw a Red Sox on the spot. Questioning that referee. Why can't the same be said for a pass interference or holding or defensive holding? Well, you know, it's a judgment call. And that, that, that I get so sick of hearing that. Well, we can't look at these judgment calls. Well, you know what? Sometimes judgment is so poorly exercised, it's obvious, and you need to fix it. Just like yesterday with, uh, with Tommy Lee Lewis getting wiped out. And, and I don't know if you guys have seen the coaches tape. Um, I, I think it'll be available on Game Pass tomorrow, but I got to look at that play. Nikel Roby Coleman was so grossly out of position. He's just like, oh crap. And he ran across the field and, and you know, he could have played the ball and maybe had a pick six, but he just wiped it out. And, and it's clear that it was pass interference. And I don't care if it's a judgment call. There are some occasions where it's clearly wrong, whether you call it or whether you don't call it. And I think all of those things should be reviewable. Bill Belichick's been demanding that for years. And there are some people in the NFL who think that because Bill Belichick has been yelling for it so loudly, that's one of the reasons why they won't do it, because they don't want to admit that Belichick is right. Isn't that a screwed-up way to run a billion-dollar business as well? Greatest coach of all time. Let's not listen to him. He's a fucking idiot, and he cheats. That's probably what people say all the time uh the Patriots dynasty is incredible I don't I don't need to, to ask you about that even though you have incredible thoughts what I will ask you about though Deion Sanders did the TV rounds this morning the internet did their thing a lot of people not happy with the fact that because Slater called heads Tom Brady gets the ball Pat Mahomes walked his team right down the goddamn field in less than a minute to send that game into overtime there they thought Patty Mahomes should get a, a chance to see the ball in overtime no matter how successful the Patriots are how do you fix the NFL overtime, or do you change it at all? You just mentioned the review going to the college style. Do you like that more than the NFL rules? What is your take on the whole NFL overtime thing? Well, if we're going to keep the overtime the way that it is with the, the current structure where it's still being played from scrimmage, I like the idea of the team that kicked off getting a chance to match any score, whatever that score is yeah, on the first Paul, possession. You, you get a chance to match it or beat it. Because that, that was when, nine years ago when the Saints beat the Vikings with a walk-off field goal after the, uh, the winning the, the coin toss, and they got a couple, they got a couple of ticky-tack penalties, and they got the field goal range, and that's it. It's over, and Brett Favre doesn't get a chance to get on the field. I never thought that it should be only a field goal that gets to be matched. I think any score should get to be matched. And I hear people say, well, well, the defense has to make a play. Well, yeah, so does the other defense, but the other defense never had a, had a, a chance to have to make a play because it was never on the field. You know, we have all these rules that are skewed in favor of the offense. How, how can we expect the defense to have equal footing and an equal chance to stop an offense in this day and age? Why not give both teams an opportunity? Now, for the regular season, you could end up having games that go longer than they need to be. You could have more ties. I mean, I, I've been a proponent of just the concept of putting the ball at the 10-yard line. I, my dad used to take me to high school games when I was a kid, and I remember one of those games went to overtime, and in West Virginia they put the ball on the 10. Well, screw the 25. Put it on the 10. Make it first and goal. And people lose their shit when I say that. It's like, oh, it's not football. Well, of course it's football. What, what do you, they're not going to come out and play golf. The, oh! football. The, ball, the ball's on the 10. It's first and goal. You got four cracks at scoring, and you go score. And if they want to move it along even faster, and that's say you can't go for one, you always have to go for two. Not on the third round, but on the first round. And, you know, there are ways to make it better. There are ways to make it more equitable, and there are ways to reduce the number of total reps. Because in the regular season, that's one of the real concerns. You don't want teams taking an extra 50 snaps in an overtime setting. So if you would do first and goal for the 10, 
you know, you get the same thing. I mean, how they sell hockey games now with shootouts. They sell soccer games with shootouts. Why not do something a little bit different that would be fun, that'd be exciting, and, uh, and and it moves the game along, and you get a winner, and, and both teams feel like they had a fair chance mm-hmm. to win. And also, in the regular season, if they're not going to extend overtime, put the kickers out there, line them up at 50, mm-hmm. 55, 60, 65, winning just like a shootout, make it happen, put a little pressure on them, and you decide a winner. The, the loser of the kickoff can get one point, winner gets two points, whatever it is, just like in hockey. All right, Florio, I got to let shocked. I'm shocked. Hey, I'm shocked you would, you would want it to be determined <laughs> by kickers. Well, I just think it makes the game better. I mean, whenever a kicker hits hey. a 57-yarder, everybody loses their goddamn shit, no matter how bad the refs were bird boxing before that. All right, Florio, I got to let you Here's, go. Let me, let, me get, let me give you a quick idea that I had a couple years ago that I need to dust off. One idea I had that I thought would be exciting as hell, like you it. put both teams on the field. You put the offense and defense at one end, you know, one team versus the other, and you put the others at the other end, and you just go back and forth going for two like a shootout until somebody makes it and somebody doesn't. And you just and wouldn't that be something? You just keep going back and forth with, with 22 guys at each end of the field, just banging away at it from the two yard line. Well, the coin toss, coin toss would be a big deal there because I mean, depending on win situation, also where fans are set up, you would want your defense on one side as the other. But now both sides of the stadium get to play I like a role. That a lot. Hey, Florio. Exactly. Hey, you got exactly. a lot of good football ideas. I don't know if you know yes, that. Nobody listens to me. You're the only one who listens to me. Why don't you get in the league <laughs> office and then I can feed you these ideas and you can climb to the top of the mountain? Commissioner Florio. <laughs> they don't want to listen to me. That's because. You know why? It's because we're Italian. They're like Italians. Yep. <laughs> hey, heads or tails? I'm gonna do a coin toss What's on the, the way. What's the world coming to? They're not like Italians. She's prejudiced against Italians. What's the world coming to? <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's getting smarter. Right. I think some would say. Uh, heads or tails by you, Florio. Tails. Wow, that's a wild guess. Here Normally, it is. you bet on your dick. What's that? It's a tail. Get him in office. It's a tail. Congratulations. You just walked down the field, won the game. Thank you so much for the interview. Follow along at Pro Football Talk. PFTPM is his podcast. In the AM, he's on the radio, NBC Sports Radio. He's on NBC Sports Television. And he should be in the New York office of the NFL fixing the the league. (laughs) Thank you so much, Mike Fleury. You're the man. Thank you, Mike. See you, bye. Incredible guests are on the tails. Great conversation with those two Italians. A lot of Italians on the show today. <laughs> a lot of Italians. Let's face it. Guys are terrible at taking care of their health. Studies show that 70% of guys who experience erectile dysfunction don't get treated for it. That's bad. Because the thing most people don't realize is that ED is like a check engine light for a man's body. It can be an indicator that there's something more serious going on, like a heart issue or diabetes. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, our sponsor, Roman, has created an easy, discreet way to get checked out by a doctor and get treated for ED online. Roman is a one-stop shop where licensed U.S. physicians can diagnose your ED, then ship meds right from their pharmacy to your door. With Roman, you don't have to wait in waiting rooms, deal with an awkward, any awkward face-to-face conversations, or make any uncomfortable trips to the pharmacy. You just have to visit GetRoman.com USA. That's GetRoman.com forward slash USA, complete an online visit, chat with a doctor, and get real FDA-approved medication, if recommended by your doctor. It's all prescribed online and delivered straight to your door in discreet, unmarked packaging. Guys, go talk to the doctor. Erectile dysfunction is a problem that guys don't tackle, but it's really important. And now, with Roman, it's really easy to take care of it. For a free online visit, go to GetRoman.com forward slash USA. It was a hard read. You could be hard, too, at GetRoman.com <laughs> forward slash USA. What's the greatest country on earth? America. America. 
but USA for the purpose of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out, by the way, to Roman handling these things. Mm-hmm. A lot of people got the little wacky flatable, inflatable flailing arm guy mm-hmm. you know, yep. every once in a while down there. Go ahead and play with a baseball bat down below. Don't be, don't be shy. Don't have any shame. Mm-hmm. Go to get Roman forward, get Roman.com forward slash, which we learned last week. It was mm-hmm. a learning lesson for all of us. Yep. USA. Also, it's a new year, 2019. Mm-hmm. Resolve to rest this new year. A quality night's sleep helps you recover from distractions faster, prevents burnout, make better decisions, improve your memory, and overall make fewer mistakes. Ever heard of it, Foxy? A lot of them. It's not marketing. Really? Mistakes, yeah. That's how you make get, become a better person, though. I mean, let's, we're a small business. We can't afford a, a lot of them. <laughs> no, I'm just at. talking about life. Well, it's, mar- it's not marketing. It's science. <laughs> to design a better mattress, Lisa leveraged 30-plus years of experience and hundreds of hours of testing science to develop the perfect mattress for all body shapes and sleeping styles. Lisa's mission is to provide a better night's rest for everybody. Through their 110 program, they donate one mattress for every 10 they sell. That's more than 31,000 mattresses and counting, Foxy. Lisa strives to leave the world a better place than they found it. That doesn't stop with mattress donations, which is a lot. Together with the Arbor Day Foundation, Lisa plants one tree for every single mattress they sell. Over 310,000 trees and 31,000 mattresses donated from one sleep company who's just trying to provide people with better sleep, better rest, and a better overall bed-buying experience. That's good people there at Lisa. Start 2019 well-rested. Get $160. SeatGeek's giving off $300 off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lisa's giving off $160 off a Lisa mattress at leesa.com forward slash McAfee. That's lisa.com forward slash McAfee. And use promo code McAfee at checkout. That's leesa.com slash McAfee. Shout out to Lisa, making the world a better place and making our sleep better. One bed at a time. Let's close the show out with a magical conversation about everything happening in this world. Documentaries, foosball, ED, Let's get to it. What a wild Sunday of football there. The championship weekend was a championship weekend with so much drama, so much skill, so much action, and so much drama Mm -hmm. that I I have no... First of all, I don't know why they don't do a Saturday night game and a Sunday night game. Mm -hmm. Just the same thing. Yeah. Because all day Saturday, I'm just Mm -hmm. sitting around. I'm like, I've really... There was nothing to watch. So I watched a bunch of documentaries. I got a chance to catch up, which we will talk about. That fire festival is wild, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Billy McFarland is a motherfucking cocksucker of next level cocksucker. Like, I have never seen in my entire life. But let's get to the football, which is... They should have gone Saturday, Sunday. I, I don't know. They need to change that for next year. Just for people like me, have nothing else going on and when a blizzard hits and ice hits <laughs> and you're not allowed to leave your house that would have been nice for most of the country but let's get to it we'll start with the patriots and chiefs game strictly because i assume that that one hits a lot closer to home for a lot of us in this room the patriots come out and dominate 
Dominate, dominate, dominate. Tom Brady, a report comes out that Tom Brady walked into the Patriots facility earlier in the week and said, I'm the baddest motherfucker on the planet. <laughs> on the planet. Unreal. There's Laughable. Navy SEALs Unreal. out there. There's fucking, there's a lot of bad motherfuckers out there. Tom Brady walks into the, uh, the Patriots facility, supposedly, and says, I'm the baddest motherfucker on the planet. As soon as I seen that, as soon as I seen that, I want Patriots plus three, Patriots money line, and then I even bet again on the page. So I want max bet on the money line and then came back on it, max bet on the money line again because it didn't matter in my eyes. It seemed like it didn't matter what the Chiefs do. Tom Brady has somehow convinced himself. He has convinced himself. So In that interview, we talked about it where he said, a lot of people saying we suck, we can't win games. We'll see. <laughs> Then he goes and says, I'm the baddest motherfucker on the planet. Then he puts out a hype video hours before the game. <laughs> this is like, this is a whole, a full heel turn for Tom Brady. Normally, the fans, the Patriots fans, are kind of the ones that make mm -hmm. him the bad guy. This is Tom Brady playing full heel, and there's no way that he's going to lose after that situation. With that being said, they come out and dominate. Then the Chiefs bounce back at halftime. Old Andy Reid, who normally shits down his knickers, is what Gorman says, <laughs> put together a plan. Patty Mahomes came back. They got a couple stops. And then at the end of that game, D Ford, D motherfucking four. This is the same situation as Malcolm Butler on the goal line against the Seattle Seahawks. Mm -hmm. This is the same situation as Adam Vinatieri kicking a no-make kick uh, through the uprights way to begin this thing against the Oakland Raiders, the tuck rule. It seems as if these things happen for Tom Brady. And with that being said, that's why I bet on Tom Brady to happen. But that's a pick to send the Chiefs yeah. to the yeah. Super Bowl. Oh, Just yeah. line up on side. That, Just yeah. fucking line up on yeah. side. That is a pick. To send the Chiefs to the Super Bowl. That is a pick to make the baddest motherfucker on the planet comment come completely full circle on Tom Brady. That is a pick that ends the dynasty and helps most of America sleep better. But no, 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 Cleet Blakeman says. No, 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 no. You see, D Ford here lined up six inches too far in advance. And that it all comes back. As soon as that happens, we all knew what was happening. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 As soon as that you happens, give him that. Yep. that yeah. ain't going to happen again. As a Patriots fan, it had to feel good. It had to be an emotional fucking roller coaster, to be honest. It, with you. it was tough. I mean, I think Fox can attest. I was standing probably from halfway through the third quarter yeah. till the end of the game. He was. I, I mean, it was. It was a roller coaster. I think most of said. America was, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Most of America's watching that, hoping that the Chiefs <laughs> win. Right. I, I have never. Sam, my lady. Whenever that pick happened, she normally doesn't a full scream. Like she was like, "Yes!" <laughs> excited that cuz she bet on the Chiefs, but also because she was excited to see the Chiefs. This is like the new yeah. it's the new guard here sure. coming in. But no, no, no. <laughs> Just like the Phantom the Phantom roughing the passer. Unbelievable. Just all these things <laughs> seem to happen for Tom Brady. It it what? doesn't it just seems that they all the only thing that fights against this cause or this idea that Tom Brady is the most lucky quarterback in the history mm -hmm. is the four-game suspension from Roger Goodell from something that happened two years before mm -hmm. that. That is kind of the only down thing that has ever happened to Tom Brady. But aside from that, this guy is just a fucking golden boy. He's a golden boy. <laughs> Except for the three lost Super Bowls, too. People forget about those. I, I, see, like, whatever. see in my head like a lost Pass Super Bowl is, is yeah, I mean because I, I was in yeah. one and I did lose one I was a part of a team that lost one what they have accomplished here 
What is this? This is his ninth, ninth Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah. More than any other team has been to. Third, yeah. Christ. 13th AFC Championship game in 17 seasons. <laughs> it is an unbelievable dominating performance from beginning to end for Tom Brady. But boy, the Chiefs are going to fucking regret that for a long, long, long time. Long time. Now they're playing the bad boys for life. We ain't. Go in nowhere. We ain't. Go nowhere. We can't be stopped. I love a good throwback, Tom Brady, by the way. Now that he's bringing all these old school songs back into rotation, I'm a big fan of that. Him and Gronk in that selfie video. How about Burkhead? Is that his name? Yeah, yeah. Rex. He was AJ. I was doing a show with AJ Hawk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he talked about Burkhead being this guy. Whenever he was on a team with him, he's like, I was I was teammates with Rex. He is unbelievable. It's just that's like a Patriots player, just a classic Patriots mm-hmm. player. He's gonna do everything right for you. He's gonna make big plays. James White, Michelle, and Tony fucking Romo. Oh god. Unbelievable. He's so good. Ooh, he played better than Brady yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> he was outrageous. I know there's some people that don't love Tony Romo. I might have been on the early his, his sound effects. Like, just chill the fuck out. You know, and even <laughs> yesterday during the game, he had some big misses. But the way he can see a game is next level to me. If he didn't have the body of, like, Ty Schmidt, you see a guy, if he was, like, 6'4", or something like that, and had, like, the, the QB... He dem- knows where to go with the ball. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think that's what's happening in his head, is whenever he's doing all that, like, last night, whenever he went to sleep after the game, where he called everything that Tom Brady was going to do. So he was in Tom mm-hmm. Brady's brain, basically. He has to have that moment where he's like, if I was just as tall as Tom, <laughs> if I was just as tall as Tom and could throw a ball just as good as Tom and was with the Patriots, I could have been Tom Brady. That's what Tony Romer has to be thinking. But he was giving me things to look for yes. that I've never, ever encountered before. And I started thinking back in the Rolodex of commentators and analysts. I think a lot of guys might try to do that early in their career. Like, oh, look for the post here from this. And then they're wrong. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? The TV people tell them, like, hey, stop. Stop trying to guess what happens. Just call the game as it comes, right? Tony Romo, from beginning to end here, seems like they're like, yeah, we need you to start predicting the calls more. There was one time where he was like, Gronk's going to get chipped, running back's going to get chipped, then he's going to hit Julian Edelman over the middle. And this isn't a four-second period right before the fucking ball snapped. He's like drawing circles, chip here, chip here, Edelman's coming down the middle. And then lo and behold, if you just watch the exact thing and turn around and just call you that mother, that motherfucker was spot the fuck on. Even on running plays, he's like, "Well, they got they got to call a draw here when it was like third and seventeen, which a lot of people do know, but sometimes it always isn't always a draw. Fucking right on cue. The game winning run. Mm-hmm. He goes, Kansas City's got to sell out here. They're about to run this ball. Kansas City's got to sell out here, and then all of a sudden, Burkhead just right down the middle, <laughs> and I'm like, Tony Romo just called that entire last drive right there. Just called the entire thing. I don't know why somebody and I tweeted this. I don't know why somebody doesn't back the Brinks truck up and just dump it in Tony Romo's fucking yard mm-hmm. and be like, yo, just be our D coordinator, bro. Just for <laughs> fucking 25, just 25 minutes a week. We, uh, we just need you right before the game and maybe just get on the horn with our fucking actual D coordinator and be like, oh, probably right over the middle of Julian Edelman. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it's going to Julian. Oh, look, they got Gronk singled up top. Okay, if that safety crashes down, they're going to go right back to Gronk. Then the safety Sorensen comes down and it's right to Gronk. Yep. It was unbelievable. I felt like I was learning football for the first time. I felt like a little kid. Do you think he watches like film like yeah. for all these teams? Yeah. No. 
Probably knows no research at all. What? Yeah. Like, what Probably. the fuck was that? <laughs> well, like, Collinsworth does it, like, all weekend, all week. He does every team, every breaks it down. You think he does it the same amount? Yeah. I assume. You think yes. Tony Romo knows exactly what's going to happen without watching film? I thought it was just his quarterback mind. This is unbelievable. <laughs> that was one of the dumbest things you've ever said in your entire life. And he definitely did not mean to be dumb. Though. No, no, no. That, <laughs> was, that was not uh, like a Zeno fucking. That was, it was fun to watch. But watching Tom Brady on that last drive, we all knew what was going to happen, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. We all knew yeah. what was going to happen. But then he left, what, 40-some seconds for Patty Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute mm-hmm. now. Maybe they gave old Patty Mahomes too much time. They go down the field. And then again, it was just, that was a classic shoot. I think it said 40 points in the fourth quarter. 38. So, yeah. That's un fucking Poor underbetters. Poor underbetters. <laughs> Man, they had to have it locked. Yeah. The only thing I bet was Patriots plus three, Patriots money line. And I hammered it again after the quotes came out. And I made good money this weekend off of my book. I felt real good about it, but... That fucking game was outrageous. That's exactly what football is supposed to be, man. Yes. Yep. Oh, God, a yeah. full-on roller coaster. Yep. A full-on roller. Now, granted, a couple bad calls. A couple mm-hmm. bad rules, gonna too. Let's go to the rules. Yeah. I don't like this overtime. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. championship games, man. Give Mahomes the football. That's all I'm asking. Yep. I know. That's all I'm I asking. Agree. Just yeah. give him the football. I'm not saying he's going to win, but give him a chance to drive his team down the field. I, I saw that reaction out of everybody, too. But the Chiefs knew, right? The Chiefs knew if you Slater calls heads, we want the ball into the ref's mic, by the way. Great call by Slater. Mm-hmm. Send a special teamer out there to call heads or tails, by the way. Probably got good luck. He screams <laughs> it. I don't like the ref having to explain the overtime rules before the coin toss. Mm-hmm. Let the fucking commentators do it. If the players don't know the rules, they shouldn't fucking be out there. <laughs> they they got, don't either. I read an article. One Patriots player was, or, uh, sorry, Rams player was on the sideline asking, if we score, we win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, good. Let his fucking coach let him know then. Because Cleet Blakeman having to do a three-minute set on the rules of the overtime there, when it's echoing throughout the fight, it was just... They put the refs in a bad position. Yeah. There's no reason for that ref to have to explain the entire overtime rules. But Slater screaming, heads, we want the ball, into his microphone. I thought he did that in a clever way. He said manner. he always calls heads, too, because his dad passed that on to him. Because uh, God is the head of their head of their <laughs> life, so he always calls heads. So they knew he was going to call heads, right? So I'll see. Red, you ain't Adam Venetari. said you always call heads because you bet on your dick. <laughs> <laughs> Two different is. philosophies. <laughs> <same result. laughs> Red, you ain't never said it to me. He said it to Venetari. Venetari said it to me. So it was like... Kind of a game of telephone with Reggie Wayne there. It's <laughs> a real shame. Um, but yeah, I believe that it would be nice if Mahomes got the ball. I don't like the college rules though. Everybody's like, go to the college rules. I was like, I, don't, I think those rules suck too. I, I think they take away mostly because I'm a punter. Mm-hmm. So I think they take away a huge part of the game. Another thing, they kept zooming in on Julian Edelman's thumbs. I thought it his bicep. I did too. Yeah. They kept saying, but well, if you look at that thumb again, there's a little quiver. Yeah, but then they and show I'm the other side. You Connor, there's a little you, quiver. Nah. They show all the angles. They though, showed the other angle, close. and it was they an obstacle. That's the most Patriots bounce of all fucking but time. I think it hit his bicep. I don't know. That one angle looked like there was about a three-inch gap between his bicep and the ball. See, I didn't see that. I saw it with his hand. When I they didn't... showed both sides, I, I agreed that it didn't touch him. See, most yeah. fucking but from the one Patriots angle, it looked like hitting his bicep caused the ball to turn. And you're like, oh, yeah. So whenever they kept showing the, the thumb angle from the side, like the optical illusion side, they're like, look, it hit his thumb, and then they showed it straight on. It mm-hmm. was nowhere near his thumb. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, so that automatically disqualifies that. The bicep, I didn't think they showed an angle that showed no bicep. To be honest, I didn't think they showed. There was like a shadow, I guess, that that showed up on his bicep there. But they kept zooming. I thought they were zooming in on the wrong parts. 
personally. And remember, those refs only see what the TV people see. Correct. Mm-hmm. That is in that is a TV there. And that guy, Cleet Blakeman, with his little earpiece in, he's looking at the little tiny little screen. That is not. He's not doing shit. There. Nothing. That he's just standing there. Yep, yep, so nope, he might nope. as well be talking to himself. They're not even talking to him. They're talking amongst each other in there. I think they're listening to the announcers too to see what the announcers are saying in New York and the in the headquarters there where they have all the TVs. But they kept zooming in on the hands. I didn't think it was the hands because it was clearly showed on the. I thought his bicep maybe hit him, but. What are we, a millimeter away mm-hmm. from the Patriots? There so many yep. There's a millimeter from the Patriots there. An absolute, an eighth of an inch for the Patriots to lose that game again. And it's like this is, these things just continue to happen because they're the golden boys up there. I don't get it. If they're going to review scoring plays whenever throughout the game, yeah. and I know it doesn't in two minutes, they should be able to review penalties that absolutely change yeah. Everything. Yeah, like the roughing the passer. Like the roughing the passer. Like the pass interference Mm -hmm. non-call. And everybody's been saying the last, you know, 24 hours. CFL, you can challenge those. Why not give two a half? You made a call. I disagree with it. Let's go to the tape. Well, see, the CFL, I think, is kind of shitty football. But the the rules are good. I I just said this on the Pittsburgh Morning Show. We have the challenges Mm -hmm. because technology has surpassed the human eye. Right, mm-hmm. like the refs, everything's happening in such a quick, quick fashion. The refs have no shot out there, especially all these old white dudes who are very unathletic. They have to keep up with these people running four two forties and the ball flying faster than it's ever run. But if you challenge something, you should be able to challenge absolutely anything. Like in that Saints game, that I've been saying this for a long time now. That Saints thing should have been should have been challengeable. The roughing the passer against uh, Tom Brady that should have been challengeable. And they say if you get both challenges right, you're allowed to get another challenge. It's like no, if I get one motherfucking challenge right, <laughs> I should get that back. I should right. get that challenge mm-hmm. back. There's no reason why they should punish somebody, especially if we have the technology for it. If we have the technology for it, which we do, we have earpieces to the refs from uh, Mission Control or whatever Mm -hmm. in New York. I don't know why they couldn't just right in the middle of the game. And this is, I mean, I I tweeted this last week, like whenever there was a ball that wasn't caught and they're like, we have to go to review to see if it was caught. Somebody should just call and that guy would be like, no, it's not fucking caught. You're wrong. Just go ahead and do it. Instead of wasting the entire Microsoft Surface time, coming back in four minutes later, oh, we got to go to a fucking other commercial break, which is going to fuck us up later when we don't have a commercial break. So it's going to be an awkward sit around. I do believe there's a lot of advances that could be made. Probably part of the $40 million Microsoft pays. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather sit around for those five minutes. Hey, the best. Microsoft Surface commercial was Belichick fucking (laughs) (laughs) hawking that thing. Shows the ref and then he just fucking gronks that thing. That was beautiful. That was the most emotion you've seen out of Belichick Uh in a long time. He was worried. I think he was. I think he's very worried. You think he's very worried about Mm -hmm. the Rams? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. No. I think that was the moment right there. He's going to sleep good at night. He's got two weeks now to prepare for that. Yep. For a young quarterback, too. <laughs> young Jared Goff. And a few weeks of prayer for the Eagles, too. On that Pittsburgh morning. True. Nick Foles. I mean, true. Nick, Nick Foles. That, um, Nick Foles is your good. That Pittsburgh morning show I was on. Mm-hmm. They go, all right, Brady or Goff, who are you picking? I was like, <laughs> 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 I mean, if we, if we, are we just specifically picking Goff or Brady? I mean, you got to go. Let's go with the Ram Saints game, though. Let's dive into that. What a fucking joke, man. Mm. Yeah. What a complete and utter joke. <sighs> I guess the people that aren't about it are like, well, the ref shouldn't be able to. I always, I always say, if you win by thirty, the final field goal of the game doesn't matter. 
right? Mm-hmm. That's always like if a kicker misses the game, you always see people like, yeah, but if it was, if they would have done this, this, and this, it wouldn't have came down to that. And I'm always on that side because it gets a kicker out of heat. I'm all about that. Mm-hmm. But whenever people are saying, well, you should take it out of the ref's hands, it's like in boxing or fighting. They're like, mm-hmm. take it out of the re- judge's hands right. or whatever. It's like sometimes you can't. Like yeah. some- Sometimes you can't. In this particular case, I feel like the Saints did everything they possibly could to win that game, and they clearly got fucked by Bill Vinovich oh. and his – it was r- – it was a pass interference. Mm-hmm. It was a helmet to helmet, yep. and it was a defenseless. It was three penalties. <laughs> it was three penalties in one play to win the Saints the game, basically. And it was a no call. I don't even know how that's possible. I don't even know how the fuck that happens. If your profession is to call football games, I thought Fox was showing a bad angle. Made it look bad. <laughs> I saw you look bad. He depleted him. He yeah. literally dove at his face. I haven't seen the all twenty-two yet. To make the final judgment. He, he looked at the ball, could have picked it off probably, and decided to just turn and destroy this And guy. that's the second one he had that game, by the way, that mm-hmm. Roby, Roby, Roby Coleman. Roby Coleman. He said he thought it was going to be a bang-bang play, but he said he knew he got there late, and his exact quote was, I just whacked his ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. he did. He did. He, did. <laughs> he, did. Yeah. he had one earlier in the game where he did the same thing, and then he got up celebrating. I was like, that was definitely a pass interference by you, but I like the fact that you celebrate. Mm-hmm. Chris Collinsworth on Dan Patrick's show yesterday said, yeah, Tommy Lee Lewis didn't get up looking for the flag, and he think that he thinks that could be a reason why a flag wasn't thrown. It's like okay, so now we're saying that players have to bitch to get calls, <laughs> yeah? Because all the all the players that get bitch, all they do is get yelled at for bitching the mm-hmm. entire time. But now it's like, oh well, maybe if he bitched there, he gets the call. It's like, well, what do we want from these? Yeah, also, not maybe he didn't even remember where he. <laughs> <Yeah>. was, <laughs> you know, should have went into yeah. concussion protocol, possibly. <laughs> I I think. How about the Rams beat the Saints? Well, I mean, the Rams and that ref mm-hmm. that did not. There's two refs there that could call that pass interference, by the way. There's two of them looking in that area. So I don't think it's actually Bill Vinovich, even though he's going to get the heat for this. There's two people that could have called it. So let's say the Rams and those two refs that clearly could have called that, which seals the game for the Saints. Let's assume they go in and score there if they mm-hmm. get that game over. The Rams and those two refs beat the Saints Without the reigning offensive MVP being their number one option on the field. I don't know what's going yeah. on with him. I think McVay pulled him. I, I They said that there's no injury report for Todd Gurley. He was staying loose over there. The announcers kept saying, well, there has to be something more going on here. I think McVay sees that C.J. Anderson is literally in about his second NFL week. He's in his second week as a running back. He's very fresh. And I think he pulled the trigger for C.J. Anderson. But when it mattered, mm-hmm. it mattered. And then when it did, they put in Todd Gurley. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of that game, they had Gurley benched. That was very well, – yeah. two drops early. Mm-hmm. He was rattled early. Early. You wonder if he didn't like he get a stomach bug or something. They just don't want to well, say anything about that, it. I he mean, play that much against Dallas either. He, he, he he's right. coming off an injury. Too. He ain't right. But yeah. you would have definitely thought for the Rams right. to win that game, they would have had to rush. He didn't play what the last from, two weeks of the year. Yeah, for CJ more than Anderson 55 yards. had 100 yards yeah. rushing in the last two regular season games of the year too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I would have never thought they would have pulled that game off Gurley with that right. amount of but rushing. Last week, didn't Gurley have like a 35 yard rush where he was like pulling away from everybody? Well, he did. So what are we talking about? I still don't think. Yeah, I still, still ain't right. I'm sorry, he ain't right. With that offensive, I mean, just the way that he advances, the way that he changes defenses, 
and he's not in the game, something's up. He's nicked up. I mean, he's got two weeks to get ready for his If Super he's Bowl. 100% healthy, there's no way you're putting C.J. Anderson no. in over him. Well, that's what I think. Make, I don't <laughs> think he's 100% healthy. It's yeah. what week 19 of the right. NFL. Nobody yeah. Yeah, is 100% right. healthy, except for C.J. Yeah. Anderson, <laughs> <laughs> who has him played. I think that was legitimately a decision by fucking McVay to play C.J. Anderson over Todd Gurley. I think that is the case. Not right. I, I mean, nobody's right. That, but just last week, he was pulling away with a knee brace on. He was pulling away from people i don't know i don't know he's still in there early in the game so he can't be that hurt i don't know man i, I think that was mcveigh pulling the trigger on cj anderson as a fresh guy over top of todd Gurley. now granted two weeks is mm-hmm. eternity mm-hmm. in the nfl to get somebody healthy just like for the patriots it happened with the the first round bye but i i i don't know how they beat I don't know how they beat the Patriots. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Pressure up the middle. There's one way to beat the Patriots. Get in his kitchen. Uh-huh. <laughs> Who? <laughs> the what did I say? The <laughs> Get in his kitchen. You got Adama Sue there. You got Aaron Donald there. You got outside edge rushers. Get in his kitchen, and he's a different quarterback. Only team to have no give up no sacks this week. That's fine. Skarnecchia yeah. is the real deal. He's the reason we're here. Swear to God. I. But also, there ha- you, we're just going to assume that McDaniel's, Belichick, and Brady – don't know that Indomitian Sue and Aaron Donald are on the other side. And this is, I said this last week after I thought the dynasty, I was swinging towards the dynasty potentially being over last week against the Chargers because everybody was on it. The Patriots and the Patriots fans, they just, yeah, the, Belichick will figure it out. That's how yeah. they feel. Belichick will figure it out. Brady will figure it out. McDaniels will figure it out. And it's hard not to disagree with them. Like, yeah, I think you're 100%. I think they will fucking figure it out, especially with this two weeks, man. So I read this morning the slant play to Gronk, one of the big third down conversions, wasn't even in the playbook. They put it in day of because they went back to the original game and they saw one-on-one coverage with Eric Berry against Gronk and they knew he would play outside. So they knew that if they had a one-on-one with Gronk and Eric Berry, they were going to slide him out and let him run inside on the slant. See, and Tony go. Romo knew that too. Yeah. Uh, Tony Romo said if Sorensen crashes here, it's one-on-one with Eric Berry on the outside. So Tony Romo's somehow sitting mm. in that meeting room or Tony Romo's making the same call as his Josh McKinney. I got a question for you. Dan Orlovsky, a guy he used to play with, he's mm-hmm. in the media right now. Yep. Could he do the same job that Romo's doing upstairs in that nice temperature-controlled booth suite <laughs> and look down at the field, look at the players? Do you think he could do this? Or, or another quarterback, or a McCown, for like for God's sakes. One of the McCown bro. You think they could do the same thing? I have no idea. All these quarterbacks have been Keller commentating for so long. Mm-hmm. They all have the opportunity to do this. They all have given it a shot, I assume. I'm... Uh, I think every color commentator has attempted to do this early, what Tony Romo is doing. Has attempted to do it early, and then they're wrong, and then they tell him, stop. Right. Stop right. doing it. Stop well, Romo's doing just it. like, screw it. I'm going to continue to do this. Well, Romo was wrong. right. right. Yeah. Romo has but been I'm saying earlier in the season, even week three, week four, he's his done this first time. Last year was his first time, yeah. right? Right. Mm-hmm. Last year was his first time was doing great. it. In the first five weeks he was doing it, that's all you saw the internet say. It was like, Tony Romo is telling us what's about to happen. And once you get hot like that, I think the CBS is a lot more apt to be like, yeah, keep doing it. That's kind of your thing. Keep doing it. I think it might get like other like Orlovsky let's say he gets up there and he tries it like three times and he's only one for three he's gun shy well I don't think he's gun shy I think the TV people are like Uh yo stop doing that if you're not going to get it right (laughs) stop doing it for Romo it was like he got hot he got I'll be interested to see though if a lot of more uh, announcers and commentators try to do it 
He didn't do it for the other side of the ball. He didn't. I don't think he knew what the Chiefs were going to do as much as he did. He knew what the Patriots were going to do. Yeah, that's it. Is it did? It does seem as if he was inside the Patriots huddle. Well, because Brady's much more of a of a. If you see this, you do this quarterback versus Mahomes. Who who knows what the fuck he's going to do? He's made a couple throws yesterday that were just fucking outrageous. Mm-hmm. Old Patty Mahomes. Old Patty Mahomes was getting sacked. Feet yeah. were getting taken out from under him, and he threw a fucking sidearm, like, 20-yard ball. And then the pass, the no-look that Kelsey drops, by mm-hmm. the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Come on, oh. Kelsey. We need that highlight yeah. there. You you have to wonder if in – now, in basketball, pick up. I'll throw a no-look pass. Mm-hmm. The issue with the no-look pass is – the defender doesn't see you looking that way, but also the person receiving the pass <laughs> right. has no fucking idea that that ball's coming. Yeah. You, you got to like keep your head on a swivel at all times. I wonder if that one kind of caught him a little bit because mm-hmm. Pat was clearly looking to his right and threw it across the body just like the last time. Mm-hmm. Great football games, though, man. Great football edge of games. Your seat. It yeah. was. It was edge of the goddamn seat the I entire time. It. Two overtime games. That doesn't oh, happen. That was the first time Ooh. ever, I think, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Greg Zerline. With a 50, it doesn't matter how bad the refs fucked up on the Goldberg Spear (laughs) pass interference miss. Greg Zerline had to make a 57-yarder to win. He misses that. He misses that. Drew Brees probably picks up two first downs. Will Lutz hits a 50-some yarder, right, or a 40-yarder. There is a lot on the line there. Whenever you send a kicker out to kick a long field goal, the amount of confidence that McVay had to have in that, next level. GZ's all the way back. The 48-yarder to send it overtime, much I mean, that's a whole different animal of a kick because you miss, you lose. You make mm-hmm. it, ah, yeah, we get to play more. It's not like a fun kick to make. And somebody who kicked like four or five game tires but never really got a chance to hit a game winner, those fucking game tires are a nightmare. Because all <laughs> only thing that's going to happen is everybody's going to hate you. The only thing that's going to happen is everybody hates you. He hits a 48-yarder. Johnny Hacker turns the entire game around. Love that. Fake punts in the NFC the last two weeks have decided the winner. Thomas Morstead and Taysom Hill did a fake punt against the Eagles, turned that entire game around for the Saints. Then Johnny Hacker throws a stop route out to the Sam Shields. That turns the entire game around for the Rams. Sean McVay actually said in the post, post game, we wanted some momentum. When you can't get momentum from Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, C.J. Anderson, Brandon Cooks. By the way, he had a big day. I thought they should have went to him a little bit more Mm -hmm. often. They still win. It doesn't matter. When you can't find momentum from them, you go to one person, one person only, the punter. (laughs) That's what you do for the brand. You do that. For a while, it seemed like he was throwing a ball a game. Like they were running a fake again. He has 20 attempts. (laughs) He has 20 fucking attempts. He came in with Jeff Fisher, though. Mm-hmm. So Jeff Fisher had him early. Jeff Fisher was the king of just letting her fly. I mean, Jeff Fisher against the Colts one game as a Titans coach, he did. He let off the game with an onside. I think he did. Every kick was an onside yeah. kick. I think he did like six or seven straight onside kicks. Every single kickoff was wow. an onside kick. And they said, why? He was like, well, we're just trying to get the ball out of Peyton's hands. <laughs> and he was like, well, we give him the ball at the 50. He's probably going to get there anyways. So he, that's the way Jeff Fisher played, and it just kind of carried over. And shout out to Hecker for taking advantage of those opportunities. It, it would be very nice to play in that type of environment if you're a punter but johnny hecker's made the most of it i think he's like 12 of 20 right now wow, on geez. his pass attempts in the nfl how about mcveigh hasn't even turned 33 yet 
Mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah, there's a video of Sean McVay playing high school quarterback the same year that mm-hmm. Tom Brady went to his first playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Him and Edelman played against each other in college. Yeah, Miami and Kent State. Mm-hmm. Absolutely hysterical. Whoa. Yeah, him and Edelman played against each other in college. He's playing high school football. He looks exactly like a guy the Patriots would like, by the way, playing uh-huh. football. Oh, yeah. He looked like a little, just a little tough white guy. It's fast. There's like, a 50 year difference between Belichick and Brady <laughs> combined versus McVay and Goff. Oh, yeah. Years. Do we like Goff? Yeah, why? Yeah. I think so. I think he's solid. He was good. Really? He made some, he really, good throw. he made some really good throws. He really was. He had that, a couple on the run, too. That ball he put in Cooks' fucking bread basket. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was an incredible pass. I think he was double teamed at the time. I think he was double teamed and he brought it down from the fucking clouds on him. Other than, I don't think Breeze looks the same. I really don't. I don't either. I've been saying that the whole last like, quarter of the season. D- Diggs, you said it last week that he his arm t- was short. He looks tired. He, well, he's 40. Yeah, I and know. And I don't see a DB9 therapy. Right? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, there's a there's TB- also a difference between being 40 and 6'4 and being 40 and 5'11. Five. Five yeah. Well, yeah. TB12. I, I would wonder if the DB9 would be anywhere near the TB12 because he <laughs> does keep doing like the shoulder shimmy. Now, a, a, lot of, a lot of players as they go in their NFL careers, pick up habits, mm-hmm. right? Dan Marino used to lick his fingers more than any human in history. Drew Brees has the lick of the fingers. Drew Brees also does this shoulder shimmy. It's like this shoulder lift thing. And I wonder if there's like a reason for him doing it, if it makes him feel comfortable. It might be like a little nerve or something. Well, we did right? have that, that surgery yeah. that no one comes back from, that he did come back from. Oh, this is one Andrew Luck had. Yeah, this is when he when he went from San Diego and then Miami mm-hmm. wouldn't sign him because of the shoulder, and he went to New Orleans. I think it was the same exact surgery that Andrew Luck had because there was a lot of thoughts that uh, Luck should think about going and seeing the trainer that did the Drew Brees mm-hmm. one, and I don't know if that was met with resistance or he didn't or whatever. But Drew Brees had a hell of a career. He got completely fucked there. Should have went to the Super Bowl. He said he was trying to win for his other babies. <laughs> By the way, he said he's got that picture of his one baby with the mm-hmm. ear things. Yep. Worst moment of my life. He has that up in his house, and all of his other kids are like, when do we get one? He's like, I'm trying. They need a third option on that offense. You think this is going to be his last run if Drew Brees goes and wins the Super Bowl there? I think so. Yeah. I think his, I think this was it for Drew Brees if they go and win the Super Bowl. Maybe. Now he has to come back. What yeah, about yeah. what about flip the switch? What about Brady? Any way he can walk out with the Super Bowl uh-huh. over over the LA Rams and say goodbye yeah. well, along with Gronk. Boy, I would yeah. if I was him, but man, I don't know. He seems like a different animal. Yeah, I, I can see Gronk. I don't know if Tom will do it. Yeah, I think Gronk's complete I think Gronk definitely is done. But Brady's already said he's for sure playing in twenty nineteen. I don't doubt it. So I'll be excited to see what I'll have without Gronk. I'll be excited to see who Belichick finds mm-hmm. to come in and replace Gronk. Okay, so we're missing a game wrecker. He's retiring. All right, why don't we just go find one of those? And he's just got his little fucking crew of minions just searching the world. Uh, we think this guy could be a little <laughs> game changer. It'll be the next Tyreek Hill will somehow end up on the – how about Philip Dorsett, by the way? Yep. Mm-hmm. When Dorsett uh-huh. went to the Patriots from the Colts – I said that Dorsett, for some reason, never got going in our offense, even though he was a first-round pick. But some of the catches he was making in practice were next level. They were Randy Moss-type shit. He was jumping up, snagging balls over people, one-handed catches. I said, I I don't know why he never worked with us. I really don't. 
I don't know why he never worked with us, but the Patriots are getting a good wide receiver because of what he had showcased in practice. And then lo and behold, an AFC championship game, double covered in the middle of meat. He snags home a tutter. He's got to be feeling great. His entire career has been resurrected up there in New England. So win-win for, for both. Trade yeah. what? Jacoby Brissett? Philip Dorsett? Wasn't that what the deal was? Yeah, yeah we didn't. I mean, Jacoby Brissett was a great pickup. Uh, we wouldn't yeah. have had a quarterback right. going he's into the season. great, solid backup. Great, great pickup. But he's not catching a touchdown in the AFC Championship game. <laughs> yeah. what, what, happened, the week before. what happened to Dwayne Allen out there, though? He's a fucking – he's an extension of the offensive line. Yeah. And I think he has helped Gronk. Gronk has been an incredible blocker, uh, blocker his entire career. I watched Gronk take one of the Colts players, block him all the way into the fucking cameraman on the side of the field. He really did. He yeah. drove him all after the whistle. Drive. I think there might have been a penalty for it because it was something he didn't. So Gronk has been a great blocker for a long time. But when you get somebody like Dwayne Allen, who is literally an extension of a left tackle, that's what Dwayne Allen is. Dwayne Allen gets somebody in his in his paws and you're just done. That can only help. That can only help Gronk with everything. If you see Gronk's technique in blocking, I don't know if it's always been that perfect, but it's very similar to Dwayne. They got two tight ends that could probably play tackle for a couple different teams if they wanted. That has to help out. Plus, you got the Devlin character, just a fucking oh, yeah. steamroll in the backfield. And then you got running backs who hit it. I mean, Sony Michelle hits that fucking thing. I, he is a talent. By the way, Lazy Eye All-American, that mm-hmm. guy. Yep. <laughs> lazy Eye All-American, Sony Michelle. He is... James White is making play. They no. just Burkhead for God's Burkhead, sake. James White, Sony Michelle, Devlin. You got two tight ends that are basically tackles blocking. Then you got Edelman. Dorsett ran a four three, I think a four two four three. That team's got just as many weapons as as anybody else, and it's. And I still, I'm still, uh, Cordell Patterson returning kicks. I don't give it. Yep. Uh, he's six nine. You know what I mean? I mean, literally, he he's looks cribs. six nine, he's, and he and he throws the ball to thirty five or forty each return. He's Josh Cribbs. Mm-hmm. He's exactly like Josh Cribbs. So the reason why kickoff returners do well and some don't, whoever can get to top speed the fastest, it's all fear. By the way, it's all not fear, but it's all mental. He who can get to top speed the fastest is normally the most dangerous kickoff returner. Because you see a lot of people like pick, like they're trying to figure out where they want to go. Maybe they want to extend it and cut it. Cordero Patterson returns just like Cribs. As soon as he gets the fucking ball, he's going. There's no, there's no thought of like, okay, let's do this, let's do that. Cordero Patterson gets to top speed as fast as he possibly can. And it's very difficult to tackle that guy on kickoff. As we could see, you got to hit touchbacks. But whenever it's freezing outside, that's a difficult ball mm-hmm. to hit. That's a very very difficult ball to hit. Very difficult ball. And also, sometimes Cordero Patterson will take a knee whenever it's just a yard in. It's interesting when the Patriots choose to let the return happen and when they choose not to. It's almost it's almost like, hey, this time just get a 25. <laughs> hey, we need a play. Go for it for the 40. It's uh, Everything they do over there is very fucking smart. It's, I feel like the day after they win the Super Bowl and Gronk announces he retires – Belichick goes into his house, goes into his home office, flips up a laptop, accesses some satellite, and zooms in on some tight end from eastern Illinois in his backyard, yep. flipping tires. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows about this animal. It'd be like from eastern Kentucky. Yeah. The next Jack. Some, he'll find something that'll just make him yep. make them pick no up doubt. right where they left off. Early predictions for the Super Bowl. Rams. Uh, You're picking the Rams? Mm-hmm. What's we'll the line? One. One. One and a half. I'm going they're favorites right now. The Who? Rams are favorites? Yeah. No, they're not. Unbelievable. They no, they got no, no, fucking... no, no, no. The Patriots nope. moved to the Patriots last yeah. night. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Moved. Okay. Last That's because Vegas doesn't want the Patriots to win. 
Las Vegas doesn't want the Patriots to win, so they don't want the Patriots to be using them being a fucking underdog mm. to their advantage anymore. They're like, listen, look what we did. We fucked up the Chiefs game because we gave Tom Brady a bunch of <laughs> Just motivation. wait, though. All those old Rams players from that last Super Bowl are going to start talking to the media about the Spygate incident, and it's going to be coming. all it needs over to come again. back up. <laughs> Whatever. That was a great Super Bowl, wasn't it? One yard yeah, line. That was, yeah. that was the reach? Yep. Mm-hmm. How, what year was that? 2001. Vinatieri kicked the game winner in yeah, there, right? Yeah, that was Vinatieri's mm-hmm. first game winner. Yeah, yep. yeah. That was I th- I think that was the biggest underdog in Super Bowl history actually because we were 14 point dogs that year. Cuz that was the Kurt Warner. In the Super Bowl? Yeah, that was the Kurt greatest Warner. show on turf. Yeah, exactly. I watched um NFL Network. I watched they had like a 6-hour pregame show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you sit through all day fucking Saturday watching documentaries, just waiting for the goddamn games to come on Sunday. And then you wake up Sunday, and you're like, all right, I'm excited for games. It's like, well, it's not until fucking 3 o'clock, too. It's not like they're 1 o'clock games. So I just wanted to get some uh, football in my life, and I turned on that NFL Network pregame show. Kurt Warner was there, mm-hmm. live from New Orleans, though, sitting in a chair. Rich Eisen was there. Jalen Smith was there, uh, linebacker wearing a turtleneck. Jalen Smith was there wearing a turtleneck. Adrian Peterson was there. He should not be on a microphone. <laughs> Great running back. Questionable father. Terrible animal. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Irvin. Michael Irvin was there, obviously. Rich Eisen was there. Mariucci was there. Uh, Willie McGinnis was there. It was like 400 fucking guys on TV. And they had Kurt Warner just sitting in, the, in a TV, basically, because he was down in New Orleans. So they wanted him to be a part of the show, but he wasn't. And it, when you see Kurt Warner, he's such a shell of himself. I just think of the greatest show on turf back in the day, and I think he's good on TV. I think he's great on TV. But what he did with the Rams back in the day was so much fun. What was he, a grocery? Yeah, yeah. he was working at high Worked in a fucking grocery store? Yep, yep. And, now, and then he goes into the barnstormers. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, and then his <laughs> wife. I remember his wife was just sawing people down. She was pissed <laughs> off about things. <laughs> that Warner family story is, uh, I don't know how that one hasn't been told, but that's all I, I was watching the thing for six hours so i had a lot of thoughts about it but it was it was very eric stone street he did an interview with uh, rich eisen did an interview with eric stone street from arrowhead stadium from the seats that stone street grew up watching from oh that's cool and stone street is a fucking good guy i don't know if you know he's the guy from modern mm-hmm. family he, he plays oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the large gay guy Cam, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cam, hilarious. Cam, yeah. Cam, yeah. so funny hey but in real life Hilarious guy, yeah. hilarious guy. Mm-hmm. He was he was doing this interview with Rich Eisen <laughs> in Arrowhead, started testing out their song, testing out their their sound system, mm-hmm. and it was the Ozzy Osbourne train, crazy, crazy, crazy train. train. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it starts coming on, and you hear it in the background. And Stone Street's like talking to him, and you see him start like, <laughs> he's like, I I don't know what to tell you. I can't. He starts dancing, and then Rich is like, uh, Ozzy Osbourne. That's what um. Tom Brady comes out to, and Stone Tree goes on this whole run. Tom Brady does not own Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of diehard Chiefs fans that thought this was it for him. And I feel bad for D4 mm, doing oh, that. Just stay on side. Another it's f- a bright future. Another fuck you Brady statistic. He's three and zero in overtimes in, in playoff games. Yeah, and everybody opponent, knew. Opponent never saw the ball. They yeah. never touched the ball in all three of those. It's, oh, oh, God. oh wow. I'm the baddest motherfucker <laughs> exactly. on the exactly. planet, yep. dude. He he walks into that huddle and goes, "If we score a touchdown here, this is over." Mm-hmm. And it's not an if thing. It's like a 
And we're going to score a fucking touchdown. I also thought it it obviously doesn't matter as much as overtime, but like kicking off the game, Andy Reid chose to kick off. You were like 56 and 0. Yeah. In the first quarter, why are you Dude. giving the ball to New England? Uh, yeah, to start I the thought game? that was weird too. Because people were afraid the Patriots always get that yeah. back, back at the end of the first half to start the second half. And I agree, but you hey. got to play to your strengths. Well, now, granted, it helped them coming out of the second yeah, half. Patty seven. Mahomes got hot, but the crowd got sucked out of that game early. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When Tom just, just like uh, I think the Saints elected to receive. I believe the Saints elected to receive, and they walked right down the field and scored, and that place came alive. I was like, okay, this is a good idea that they take the ball. And then you watch in the second game, if the Chiefs get a three and out there against Tom Brady, whole different ball game in that stadium. Instead, Tom takes the fucking soul out of the place, walks mm-hmm. right down the field and scores. It's, um, it was only a field goal. I think. No, no. No, he scored. Yeah. Touchdown. But the Saints only got a field goal. Yeah. They yeah. walked right yeah, down right. the field yeah. and they yeah. only got a field goal. Right. But that first drive says so much to a lot of people. Well, what an incredible game. That Saints place was loud, bro. Yeah. That dome. All oh, those fucking that whistles. Whistle. Oh, yeah. Not one. There was <laughs> yeah. a lot of that, whistles. That, that guy looked like uh, Sean Payton. The, the, the yeah, he had Sean a fucking Payton. whistle. Yeah. I some... swear to God, I saw it for the first time. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me, Payton. <laughs> I thought it was actually Sean Payton blowing a whistle underneath the play sheet. He had a second. whistle. Apparently, there's a, there's a fucking human whistle guy, and then there was some kid circulating in the internet who had a whistle in the upper deck. There was a lot of fucking whistles yeah. on that goddamn broadcast. I don't think that's legal, right? No. 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 You can't bring the whistles in. No. The whistle man that Tariko tweeted about. Yeah. yeah. That guy's completely legal. He is legal, yeah. And he is a talent and a weapon for the New Orleans (laughs) Saints, that guy. He's a Cajun whistler down Mm. there in a bayou. (laughs) (laughs) He goes down there with his lips, his fingers, and probably a stray hand split in the teeth. (laughs) And he becomes a full-on weapon for the Saints. And also, it was like a goddamn dog whistle in my house just Uh. going off. And I I think that was the biggest takeaway from the internet from the first half was like, excuse me. Fox, is there any way we can get the fucking whistles out of this? It's ruining <laughs> yeah. the entire You really can't keep that half. guy out of the game. You're like, you have any God-given, God-given talents we need to know about that are going to be disrupted <laughs> See, game? but he's in like every single game. And we've watched a lot. Uh, Saints have been on primetime a lot, and I've never fucking heard that. Oh, it's we go down there. Right 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 I got that whistle down there. Now. The Fox <laughs> trying to pay me for the game down there. <laughs> You've got my ass in the whistle all the way to find the I go down to the Jeffy. I do whistle. I told him that I put my whip together and I told him that thing there. I got a whistle man, they call me. Cajun whistle. <laughs> that whistle on his head, man. The I mean, whistle man doing autograph signings. Yes. It's just something that I. What do you want to hear? You want to hear me whistle? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do. That's what I do. Wait, who's doing autographs? I assume. I assume, so, yeah, yeah. I assume oh, yeah. that the whistle man does an autograph, sure. appearances, pictures, Photos things like, like crazy. that. He should now, at least after Tariko. Uh. So you're going with the Rams, you? Yes. And I said this on Get Up on ESPN. Mm-hmm. I said it. I got mocked for it. I said that the Los Angeles Rams are like the Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. You did. They're filled with incredible players. And then I said, big time players make big time plays in big time games. That's why they're called big time players. So they might lose a little bit during a regular season, but when the time comes that a big play has to be made in a big-time game, the Rams have the players that will make it. Did I mean that a guy was going to spear a wide receiver before the ball came? <laughs> no, I did not mean that. What I meant was 
In those big situations, Tom Brady, for instance, in those big situations, there's a reason why these names are big names. There's a reason why everybody knows these players. It's because in the biggest situations, they make the biggest plays. It's just the way it goes. Dwight Freeney told me when the lights come on, the stars come on. <laughs> Doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's real. It, it, and I think that is really the only thing that's holding me back from betting my entire net worth on the Patriots because <laughs> it is a huge game. And there's a reason these players are known for being huge names. It's because in these games they can make huge plays. Will that be able to outduel the golden boy Tom Brady and Belichick? I'm not sure, but it's the only thing that's holding me back from not hammering the Patriots. The reason why I like the Rams is there's always been a recipe to beat Tom Brady and to get pressure with four, and the Rams have the D-line to do that. They really do. I mean, it's next level. And you guys are talking about uh, Belichick has two weeks to prepare and shit like that. He had two weeks to prepare last year. What happened last year? We'll see what happens. Tom Brady dropped a pass. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's, I mean, that's, he catches that, they probably, I mean, that's probably a win. It's probably a win. I want to agree with you, but just after what I just saw, I just can't. You can't. Yeah, yeah. I think can't. I think it's going to be a blowout too. I don't think it's going to be close. I don't know if it's going to be a blowout, but I just there's going to be something that's going to happen that's going to be Tom Brady esque, where it's they're going to get completely lucky. There'll be like a, oh yeah, that's for sure going to happen. For sure. Yes. But I think that is just going to propel them to. And now that I think back, the Giants had that helmet catch against oh, yeah. the mm-hmm. Patriots. Yeah, Tyree, yeah. So I guess that might be another downside to the everything always works out mm-hmm. for the Patriots. But I, I just don't know how you bet against two weeks of preparation. But that's what it takes to beat them. Some miraculous play. Because they're getting that type of shit yeah. on a regular basis. Edelman had a catch just yeah. like that mm-hmm. right before that. In Atlanta, yeah. The Falcon the Falcons catch mm-hmm. was next level. Yep. The the thing not hitting off a of, now granted they got a pick and ended up scoring anyways. Ball don't lie. The most tweeted thing of all time yesterday, yep. whenever that pick happened. But, but there was an extra thirty seconds there. If they would have got it just off the uh if Edelman would have touched it versus the Brady threw on the pick. They got an extra 30 seconds. Well, there was like the another the situation that the two-minute warning, right? Mahomes, had they had to run a play, I think, because, because the play clock. Play clock. Who? Mm-hmm. Oh, the play yeah, clock. Yeah, the play clock. <laughs> One of them dildos. <laughs> was down there. But like that's a situation where anyone was like, all right, why are you running a play? Oh, they have to. Otherwise, Mahomes definitely waits that out, waits the warning, gives Tom a little less time. Had to run the play. Tom Brady, man. As soon as he gets it, he's an assassin. As soon as he gets, as soon as he gets it on the field, it's like, mm. oh, well, here we go, wearing his little ski mask thing, just absolutely ready to demoralize whatever city he has to do it. And he's gone full heel. Mm-hmm. He's gone full yep. heel, which I personally enjoy. Yep. It's going to make it a lot of people easier to hate him. Mm-hmm. It's the way it's going to go, but. I enjoy it. I'm excited to get down to Atlanta. Remember the most problem, Brady, this time of year, he's always like, hey, I want to ask you, get in your headspace when you had fourth and three, and you guys were going for it, and he's like, I just want to say hi to my beautiful yeah. wife, yeah. <laughs> uh, my parents. My sister. I, lo- I love that he does that. I, well, I, then he I, said, unfucking believable yeah. <laughs> Unfucking believable he said on TV. Any chance when Tom threw that pick, he saw that guy was offside, so he was a little more <laughs> reckless with it? No way. It's not like one of those ones where somebody jumps off and you get a free play. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, was it was the one where the guy was lined up six inches offside. He'll be a Colt next year, by the way. Just, D Ford? Yeah, that's my personal opinion. I hope not. They were, <laughs> really? They were talking about franchise in case he was talking about franchise and paying a fuck good ton player, of money, man. but who knows after Good that. player, is he? Well, he's a great player. Is he a good fucking player? But he lined up in. He just lined up six inches wrong. Good player, though. Good player, though, but six inches Not wrong. a good 
good player. That's a huge part of being a player, especially at that position. I mean, that's literally that position is to make sure everybody else is on side almost. I mean, that's your job. And that's the game winner. That is the game. Hey. hey, it doesn't show up until it shows up. It doesn't hurt you until it hurts you. You don't know you need it until you need it. Like, these are all quotes, and it's real. Him lining up offsides is one of the biggest miscues in Kansas City Chiefs football history, I would say. Mm -hmm. And how about Romo playing it up? This might be on the Patriots. Oh, yeah. This oh, game might be yeah. over. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then, bam, it was on the Chiefs. He didn't see him Chiefs. offsides either. Yeah, because nobody saw him jump, so no, they're no. probably thinking it was an alignment. Yep. He thought it was an alignment issue. He thought it was something, and it was. It just so happened to be on the side of the ball where you line up in the same position every fucking time. Oh. <laughs> every fucking time. <laughs> you line up in the same position. It's unbelievable. First play of the game. You can go back and look. New England Patriots. Their furthest left wide receiver was lined up past the line. The ref was actually standing with his right foot on the 20 or 25. I don't remember if it was returned or if it was a touchback. Looking around the player. And the ref, the receiver actually has to look at the ref and say, am I on or mm -hmm. am I on, I'm off or mm -hmm. I'm on? He says, I'm on. The ref says, you're good. He was past the line of scrimmage, and the ref was doing a little look around him, actually. First play of the game. I noticed it. I was like, well, that's interesting. And then, lo and behold, an alignment issue is literally the biggest fucking play of the thing. They call it on that. They don't call it on the first one. That's why the Patriots are the Patriots. That's why the Rams got no fucking shot. <laughs> okay, I got a question about the Rams. Did you guys like that he kicked the field goal to tie it, or did you want to see I, him I go for it? I didn't it? think McVay was going to do it. I know. I honestly thought he was going to go for it. Absolutely. I probably would have went for it. When? At when the very end. To tie it. What do they have, 11? To go 2020, I think. Oh, down there on the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Everyone on Twitter was freaking out too. Uh, Sean Smallballs McVay. Well, because like when you think they of win. Drew Brees, and then they win. Normally, if he gets the ball back, you think Drew goes down and scores and wins. Right. But he did. Hey, big fourth down stop for the Chiefs. Fourth yeah. and one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the internet. Yeah. The Patriots so fans were not happy that Be uh, Burkhead got that ball. That. Mm -hmm. Why? Well, I mean, for me, I just would rather spread it out and do the little James White two little quick hit from shotgun. Or, you know, you put it in Brady's hands, you'd run that quick out with Edelman. Two yards. I don't I don't understand why we're messing around with a little fullback dive when they got eight people in there, you know? Christ. I knew McDaniels was gonna be here today. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. I'm impre I'm impressed with the Chiefs. They they're a young team. And by young, I mean their quarterback's young. They seem to have a young core. I was impressed that they took Tom Brady. Right in the face there, 14 zip, the entire thing. We all we asked the question, Patty Mahomes, Andy Reid having a hell of a year, but what will happen when it's the AFC championship game and you have to look across the field at Tom Brady in that jacket that's seven times too big, <laughs> Belichick wearing that fucking miserable face that he wears the entire game. Does that affect you at all? It did early. They were getting stomped. And then at halftime, they re- they kind of refreshed, refocused, took the game out of the console, blew it on it a little bit, put it back in. <laughs> they fought. They showed grit. They had a fourth down stop. Their offense started rolling. The fans started getting in it. They started going, but it's just there's nothing you could do when Tom Brady's over there. But I, I think the Chiefs fans should be excited for the future. Damian Williams? Who? Who? What? 
Do they have to pay anyone, the Chiefs? Well, I, I saw last night, and it'll be interesting to your point, Pat, about uh, like having to pay guys a lower amount to try to win championships. I saw that they're going to try to extend Mahomes after this year for two hundred million dollars. Yep. So yeah, that was their We'll see yesterday. how that you know the trickle down effect for like, the rest of the team. Mahomes getting two hundred million, and then Tyreek Hill will get paid. But after that, so Kelsey's gone. Kelsey's going to the Patriots. When's ah. it? Oh, oh, wow. Shit. Nice. Wow. When, oh, when, wow. when is Kelsey's contract up? <laughs> Look Lord. for Kelsey to go to the Patriots. Him and Edelman be, will be a fucking, uh, it'll be like Amendola again's back up there with Edelman high five at each other. They have like 40 million cap space, I saw after this season, the Chiefs do. So. Yeah, but they want to pay Patty Mahomes, right? Mm hmm. By the way, 25 it? of it. Yeah. Who was it, Boomer, that put uh, Edelman in the Hall of Fame after the game? Edelman Did should, by the way. The Hall of Fame. Yeah, I did hear someone when say that. When Edelman's done, he'll be a Hall of Famer. Let me tell you why. It's not only because he's the stud wide receiver of one of the best offenses and teams in NFL history. Mm -hmm. He has a Hall of Fame moment that Atlanta Falcons catch where mm -hmm. he's yep. snug. Or not, yeah, was it the Falcons game? Yeah, he yeah. picked it off Yeah, the where ground. he catches it off the yeah. ground, saves the day. He's a punt returner, one of the best punt returners in the league, too. It's not just like he is a... An average punt returner. He's one of the best punt returners in the league. I think he – now, granted, he had a four-game suspension for using PEDs, but I think by the time he's done, that'll be something that is very normal for a lot of people. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think – personally, I think Edelman's a Hall of Famer. I think his numbers say it. I think his moments say it. I think his Super Bowl rings say it. And I think the fact that he's willing to play special teams and shit is just another nod, a notch under his belt there. I think Edelman's a, uh, a Hall of Famer. I do believe that. And that beard of his also, Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame beard. Oh, yeah. Hall of Fame beard. Mm -hmm. Hall of Fame beard. That's a baseball beard. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's a baseball beard. Got a four-game suspension. <laughs> <laughs> Those baseball guys are all chewing at this time. Yeah. Uh, Edelman's a stud, man. He's a really good football player. And he, he seems to have that I hate everybody, fuck everybody mindset. Yeah, he's always oh, jawing yeah. after always. every play. Well, he gave a couple ass slaps, actually. He... he um. He slapped the Winchester, the long snapper for the Chiefs. Colquitt punted one. He fair caught it. Yeah. The long snapper just so happened to be in his face, and something was said, and he actually slapped him on the ass in a, fr in a show of friendship. Mm -hmm. I That's thought that was too. very mm -hmm. out of character for Edelman. Honestly, I thought Edelman was going to fucking punch him in the face. <laughs> well, if they're not playing defense, it's more of a, if you're on that other side of the ball, then yeah, he's going to punch you. In no, the that's, how he act that's how he acted early in his career. It was everybody was, he had a chip on his shoulder. Everybody was against him. He hated everybody. Right, yeah. He wouldn't even talk to me in warm-ups <laughs> whenever it was happening. So I think maybe now that he's gotten older, he's a little bit more comfortable. But I think, I do believe that Edelman's a Hall of Famer. I think so. Who would you put a? Who would? Why wouldn't you put him in? No, not Edelman. Why? Because he's a little white guy. No, you no, sound no, like no, NFL no, Network. No, 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 no. Are we putting you in the Hall of Fame because of the hardware you won, or is that, or is it over the course of your career? Or I mean, how about know, everything? What are you? Way, yeah. What are you? Uh, what are you? Uh, what are you saying no for? Because he's a little white guy. No, That's I just, why don't, you're think, saying I just no. don't think the yearly stats that, can, that compare to other wide receivers, you take the hardware out of it. I could see him getting in. I don't think he's a first ballot guy, no. but he could definitely get in there for sure. His, his numbers stats? are great. What, are, what do you mean not his yearly stats? I'm assuming he's near 1,000 yards every single fucking year. Mm -hmm. I'm Close assuming. to 100 catches, too. Yeah, I'm assuming yeah. that his stats are – it's just everybody's so enamored with Brady, as they should be, and Gronk is this NFL game changer. Mm -hmm. Edelman's kind of like the third talking point. How are his numbers, Dix? They're okay. Like this year, he has 850 yards. He has two does have two seasons with a thousand, but eh, like slot guy playoff numbers. Though. His first one, two, three, four years, he never had over 400 yards. Oh, Walker. Oh. 
Mm. Those are the uh, Walker yeah, years. He was behind Walker, he was learning. But his last five have been very good. I don't know. He had four, he missed four games this year too, and he has eight hundred some yards. Mm-hmm. I think he's in. I personally think. Well, he's if you in. want to crown him, crown it's him. five years enough. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's five good years enough to make the hall. How many Super Bowls do you win in there? He's got two right now. Three if we win this one. We. I mean, he's a third. He's so. Clutch. He's never had more third than down machine. Yeah, Every third down, you knew it was going to him. Yeah. and he catches it. He Every catches time. everything. Like he can't stop him. He yeah. catches everything. It's because he's so competitive, and he has that chip on his shoulder. I was ready to announce that that fucking bet against us shirt was seventy five percent off now on his website. I'm so ready for it. Clearing? Mm-hmm. You thought it was like a clearing sale? Mm-hmm. Everything must go. <laughs> we have inventory. Congrats. So you bet against us. Was, you won. It was in the drafts. Oh, yeah. To your point, too, I made, I saw him make a sideline catch in the game against the Chargers, and it was on an audio clip of the game after the game, and he goes to Anthony Lynn. He says, hey, big fan of you, coach. Yeah. And he runs back. It was just yeah. it seemed out of character. It seemed strange. They showed a lot of that. There was another one, too, where he said, I like the way you play. It was yeah, the DB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I watched it. It was the Chargers DB. He said, I like the way you play or whatever. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> Edelman's becoming like a Because nice I remember on early field. on, I used to ask yeah. you, I said, it looks like Edelman is John with everybody after the play. What's he saying? Like, what does he say to you? What does he say to the guys? And you were to like, me, you don't even fucking talk yeah. to me. I was like literally two feet away from him. Like, man, you're really fucking good. Like, I watched film and you returning punts. I like that a little white guy's out here doing it, you know? And he would just catch a ball and run away. <laughs> I'm like, this fucking guy won't even give me like a, okay, like I can't even compliment him. He was like Quentin Nelson. He was like Quentin Nelson. Like, I couldn't even compliment him to break into his space. But now Julian Edelman's a little bit more established. Got a couple Super Bowls. I think he's a Hall of Famer, though. I believe he's a Hall of Famer. I do. Michael Irvin's in the Hall of Fame. Look mm-hmm. at his numbers. Ah, different era. Reggie Wayne before uh, Edelman? Or yes. Edelman before Reggie Wayne? Reggie Wayne by a thousand percent. Yeah, I think Reggie Wayne is eligible for the Hall pretty soon here in a couple of years. And his numbers are ridiculous. Yes. Ridiculous. And he has a Super Bowl win. And he has a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Which is a pretty big deal. A good dance after that touchdown too. I don't. I don't remember the dance, but I do remember him scoring a touchdown in the in the rain in Miami, and it being shown on our highlights whenever we were going back to Miami to lose to Drew Brees and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wish that Bill Vinovich's refing crew was in the NFC Championship <laughs> game in two thousand nine. I wish. I wish. Unbelievable day of games. I'm excited for the Super Bowl. We're going to be down there uh, at Top Golf all week. All right. It should be a lot of fun. Not all week. A few days. Probably Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We're working on it now. A couple of huge things about to be announced with uh, the old Pat McAfee Inc. and outside uh, companies. Let's go. Oh. I made fun of the DAZN commercial. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. I had to. Everybody did. They pulled that thing off of TV, mm-hmm. by the way, as they should. I feel like I might have helped. Doing them a favor, yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe a little consulting fee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I'm going to be doing some stuff for DAZN down there, which is pretty cool. I guess that's worldwide, wide, wide, mm-hmm. wide. They have the NFL rights everywhere but America. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's a global game. Everyone knows yeah. that. Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A lot of people watch the Super Bowl. A lot of people. A lot of people watch the Super Bowl. Nobody in America will give me a shot, but these fucking worldwide people will. Uh, people, were, people were saying that uh, you helped take the zone commercial off, off the air. Yeah, that's what I think. A lot of people yesterday said that the ref didn't throw that flag because I brought it to, to everyone's attention that the uh, NFL was for Drew Brees all season. Oh. Good job, Diggs. Diggs, congratulations. Thank you. You, you like the Saints? Oh, I'm 
fuck the Saints, dude. You know, I'm just saying. Why do you By not way, like the Saints? They beat the Steelers this year. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think the Rams would have too. Nope, didn't play. Sean Payton. Hey, Sean Payton throwing the ball with under two minutes to go. Yeah, what, that was what dumb. Are doing? Like, what are we no, doing? No, 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 what are we no. doing? On no. first down. On what first down. down. That was dumb. Hold on. Hold on. Back to your point about Drew Brees. That was an easy little fucking in by the definitely his fault. By Mike Thomas. He catches that. He might gain 40, 50 yards right there because it was wide open. Everybody they were selling out for mm-hmm. the run. That ball slips out of Drew Brees' hands. He throws it in the fucking dirt. And I think there was a little bit of an exchange issue. The mm-hmm. ball didn't come out clean. He throws that in the dirt. Clock stops, obviously. But Mike Thomas catches that. It's just an extension of the run game. That's what the, they would call Correct. it. This is just an extension of the run game because it was a quick little in pass, a little touch pass. Drew Brees throws it in the dirt. The clock stopped. Nothing happens. Oh, no. What are we doing? Sean Payton's an idiot. Drew Brees is stupid. But you complete that pass. Oh, we're geniuses. Mm-hmm. It's the smartest move of all time. Blah, blah, blah. I completely agree with that. You still could have just ran it. Play the averages you're saying. Play Clock, safe. tick, 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 tick. Yeah, tick, but they tick. would just call that the extension of the run game. If it's a screen, they'll say it's an extension of the run game. If it's it, that it's was all the Patriots ran the ball for years. It was an ex- yeah, that was an extension of the that Mike Thomas in was a three yard pass mm-hmm. that Drew Brees had to drop right behind the D line, and he's probably off forever. Obviously, it's incomplete. Hindsight makes him look stupid. But if he if he does complete it, everybody goes. They choose to go with an extension of the run game to keep the clock going. It's just all in. It's all in how it works out. I Honestly, agree. it's all in how it works out. Make sure that more whistle down there. And maybe they couldn't have heard what I was going on right there. We blew them whistle. Down. <laughs> I love that. I hope that guy's. Uh, planning to come back for another season for the Saints. I'm sure he will. Yeah. They should upgrade him. They should give him like a bird's nest. <laughs> right. Like a whistler's nest. As long as it's not close to the fucking cameras. Well, is it the cameras or it says fucking big satellite things? Whatever it is. Yeah. No, but who? because they tried to turn it off. Mm-hmm. They were having a little audio issue. You could hear them. You could hear the commentators talking, and then you could hear a little bit of the players, and then they would try to balance in the players with the commentators, and then every once in a while, they were having an issue with the whistle. We weren't the only people that heard it, obviously. The, the director... C- Cutting to the dome shot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When Mike Thomas's ass was coming out. <laughs> That's, good. That's a top five director moment of very all time. Good. Very good. Just cut. Shot, oh, shit. Shot. Shit. That's, that's awesome to think of just the the quick reaction. Now, where we go? go to the dome. Back to the game. Genius. Because he only got a crack out. Look like Todd's in at the goddamn. <laughs> look like Todd's in. Hey, Todd, uh-huh. you look very thin. Oh, yeah. Man. Oh, yeah. Feeling it, I'm already sick of stupid, sexy Todd. Hot Todd. Yeah, I'm getting oh. to be frail Todd, though. It'll be by the end of this thing, you'll be like, oh, shit. Like, Evan will be punking me. He'll be throwing me <laughs> I might be today. Like, this is the week. You look very small. I walked in today and I thought, I, I thought another person was in here just because you're a little bit further away and I saw your. Um, Silhouette. Uh huh. You look like a tiny man right now. Yeah, I feel it. I and I told you I grew up that way, so I hate my, my mind's eye. I'm back in high yeah, school, fucking frail. skinnier than everybody else. I'm like, God, don't let it. Diggs talk to you. <laughs> Diggs is about to bully your little fucking frail ass. I'm excited to see the weight loss stuff. Uh, had a weigh in yesterday. Got a weigh in on Friday. Excited for all that. Excited to see how you guys did. Um, but Super Bowl, man, I'm eager to get down there and see what happens. I don't know how you beat the Patriots. How do you do it? Yeah, it's tough, Can't do man. It. I have no idea how you beat the Patriots. Looks like it's in the cards. If they really want to win, they're going to win. They're bad boys for life. Because <laughs> they ain't going nowhere. 
How'd you feel your they, Saturday? They, What's that? There was nothing going on Saturday. You had to wait for football. How'd you feel your Saturday? So I watched uh, that Firefest documentary mm-hmm. on Netflix. I guess Hulu has one as well. Yep. I watched the Netflix one. I did not watch the Hulu one. I heard the Hulu version might be a little better. Well, I saw it on the Hulu one. I was searching through it because I hadn't had time to watch documentaries in a long time. Mm-hmm. So I, I got to the bottom of the... I saw Murder Mountain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. What'd you think? Humboldt County is a bad motherfucking yeah. place, bro. Alder <laughs> Point is yeah. the truth. That, that, that's happening right here in our country. It's like its own little sovereign community that nobody, it's lawless. Hey, Neil is a G, though. Goes up there and fucking pistol whips <laughs> yeah. old Cuzzy, shoots him in the face. Now he's in jail, dead, obviously. Mm-hmm. How about when that lady calls the cops and she's like, he's right there. You're looking for him. You got the warrant for him. He's right He's right there. He's, he's going back in his house. Yeah, he's got a lot of guns. <laughs> Murder Mountain was worth a watch i think Mm -hmm. just strictly because of how intriguing it is that that place exists yeah the dookie brothers i I would never smoke any of their stuff that's (laughs) that the guy that fucked over the workers Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah Anyways, it's about Humboldt County, which is the Emerald Triangle, which is where all the weed, all the weed is grown. Basically, medical weed is. It's a wild, wild west. There's one mm-hmm. mountain called Alder Point <laughs> where there's no rules. There's ATVs. Cops don't even go. It's the hood yeah. of the. It's the yeah, it's the mountainside. Yeah, yeah, it's the. It really is. <laughs> but it's like mountain people mixed with hood, mixed with cartel. It's like a. It's a wild place. It's Murder Mountain yeah. is what they yeah. call it's like the place. Hatfields and McCoys meets. Um, Boys in the Hood, you know what I mean? Like it's like the mix between those two worlds. And it, what a story where like uh, how it started with just a bunch of Vietnam vets that were, yep, were anti-government Hippies. trying to go hide. Like we'll just go here where nobody's at. We'll just start growing weed. And then, well, I don't think they, I don't think they were planning on growing. Mm-hmm. They were planning on just hiding out and becoming their own thing. Yeah, they were just growing it for themselves. And then they yeah. grow it, and then the business happens, and then they're like, "Oh, look at this! We can just make a <laughs> lot of fucking money." And then they created their own town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the hippies created Humboldt County, yeah. which created a mayor, which created these hippies created their own town in the mountains. Incredible. And then one mountain and or greed led to one thing to the other, and then outside parties starting to get involved. Bye bye hippies. Hello greed. Turn into everything you hate. Everything you I hate. thought it was interesting that they grow there not because like the fertile or the soil is any different or anything like that it's just because it's literally like the hardest place to get to for law yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's a huge part of growing yeah. <laughs> where can they not get to now let's murder mountains worth a watch this fire festival though billy mcfarland is the worst human possibly <laughs> born into this earth he's just a hustler he's just a shady hustler who he, who ruined a lot of people's lives and then while he is mm-hmm. out of jail awaiting trial for the fire fraud, <laughs> he starts attempting, while filming. Your tweet yesterday was. <laughs> while filming, he starts selling tickets to something that isn't existing by a guy named <laughs> Frank. He just can't help himself except for trying to fuck people over. That fire festival was doomed from the beginning. What did, he do? What did this guy do before fire festival? Does he have a, is he a credit, business owner? The card. Uh, yeah. It, Magnesis. Magnesis was a credit card where you were a part of a club, basically, and all this. It was all a hustle. It, it was, was all a uh, It was the black card for millennials is how it was 
marketed. But it was 100% a scam. Like The ratings on the the business very low. Everybody <laughs> got fucked over by Did it. Did you see he only made $60,000 from it, but he lied that he made over like four mil? <laughs> yeah, but to pitch advertisers. Yeah, exactly. And that's why whenever we walk into advertiser things, into business meetings, mm-hmm. all of our numbers are dissected so much because the Billy fucking McFarlane's <laughs> of the world, which I didn't even know was possible. That Fire app, good idea. The mm-hmm. booking yeah. app that he had, very good idea that he had all these people working on all these people's jobs and then he wanted to make the fire festival and that that thing took over the internet i remember like it was Mm -hmm. yesterday when this fire festival took over the internet everybody was going digs i think you were talking about wanted to go wanted to go digs wanted to go everybody wanted to 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 be a part of it it sounded like everything i would hate so there was no way (laughs) i was gonna go but i understood the thought on why people did want to go then to find out behind the scenes why the fact that they marketed it as pablo escobar's old island is why they got kicked off the fucking island (laughs) the owner was like no no don't ever mention that again they're like ah we won't first first fucking video pablo escobar's island with all these models come party that's a quick way to make a lot of fucking money mm-hmm. quick what do they make 47 million or 37 million there, yeah. 37 million dollars they made off of that and it wasn't until 15 days beforehand they started planning for it <laughs> he's fucking idiots. it was absurd <laughs> my favorite part too was like it was interesting because you ask the people who were like involved in producing it and marketing it why they didn't try and stop it more and it was like they didn't know Everything they were shown looked legitimate, and they all thought it was the legitimate. The fuck Jerry people? Yeah. Yeah, the fuck Jerry people, all they were only living off of the videos they were sent by old Billy and Ja Rule, who Ja Rule, by the way, oh. I've never picked a side in the 50 Cent Ja Rule beef, <laughs> strictly because Venny Vetti Vecchi had some heaters whenever I was young. Holla, holla, right? You do your thing. I am 100% on 50 Cent side, <laughs> and I hope somebody from 50 Cent side happens to beat the fuck out of Ja <laughs> What a fuck an idiot that guy what a, it's not fraud it's not fraud it's false advertising <laughs> it's like yeah you fucking idiot Joe Rule thought he was smarter than everybody oh. Joe Rule thought he was the smartest guy on earth for this and I would too by the way if we made 37 million dollars selling tickets to a party that we spent zero dollars to invest <laughs> yeah. in I guess I would think I was a genius too but Man, that, that, Ja Rule looked terrible in that. How I, about the guy who was willingly and ready to suck right. the customs guy's dick to All get right. the water yeah. in? All right, so this is me. This is you. This is a bush over here. This is the Bohemian customs guy right here behind the bush. You're going to go behind the bush, suck his dick. We're going to get water and get out of here. Excuse me? Yep, you're going to go suck that guy's dick, and then we're going to get out of here. It was just like the movie. It was just out of the We Are the Millers. Yeah. It's the same exact scene. That guy definitely sucked his dick, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's how you got the water. He said that he showed up there, and the guy said, no, you don't have to suck my dick. I'll give you the water. You just have to pay us first. That's the story I'd be telling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, see, I'm sure he was just an old man too. Did you see this, Todd? No, I've seen it. Oh, this guy's man. like 50 years old. This guy's yeah. like a 50 year old businessman who was doing uh-huh. business with Billy McFarland. Not, not that old. <laughs> I mean, he's silver haired motherfucker. He, he might old. have been 55, 60. He's probably older than you. <laughs> just so nonchalantly tells tells the camera with a straight face. Billy calls me and tells me I got to go suck a guy's dick so we can get water. So <laughs> I went up there and saw him. I didn't suck his dick, <laughs> but I got the water. Like they, that fire festival. Billy, how, about, how about that Corolla chick? How she just like gave into Billy for everything. Like I think she ended up giving like fifty mil. Or well, it sounds mil. like everybody was giving in the Billy. But like this chick, that was a chick that he kept going to for like. Oh yeah, money. the blonde chick. 
Oh, I don't think I know. She that. didn't talk. She didn't have a speaking role. They just spoke about her and showed her in, in little clips here and there. He, she was like one of the main investors he kept going to for, for money. Oh, nice little sugar mama for Billy McFarlane. I guess he's in jail now, six years in the pen. With Mike's situation. Did the, did the government end up seizing his money? Or I don't think it's a situation's jail. <laughs> yeah, Situa- I saw yesterday. They're in the same jail? Yeah, same uh, federal prison, whatever that is, up in New Jersey or whatever. See, for me, situation's York. going to Martha Stewart's jail. Yeah. His is like fraud... Uh, it's a white collar crime. crime. It's yeah. a white collar crime. It could be. So Billy McFarland somehow is coming out of this with more street cred. Yeah. <laughs> somehow he's coming out on the other side selling. What is he going to be? I sent a tweet out that said Billy McFarland is currently trying to sell tickets to New Orleans and Kansas City Chiefs fans <laughs> about a bronze medal game because that is what Billy McFarland is. Yeah. He's a 26 year old. He's the. He's a con man. Yeah. That's what he is. Him and Frank Abagnale, I assume, are going to go on some <laughs> tour. That's a catch-me-if-you-can guy. He's a con man. It was. I learned a lot about that. Did fire. they end up getting McFarland's money, the government? No. Or, so he's hit a bunch of it? No. He, I think, so he's, he probably knew that going in. Hey, I'm going to spend six, eight months in a federal prison. Six prison. years. Six years. In, yeah. Worth yeah, it. See what he does. He, but. D- he didn't know that, though, because he asked one of the camera guys who's filming the whole thing, hey, what's prison like? And the guy's telling him, he's like, I'm not going to prison. I yeah. thought he was going to disappear. You would yeah. think. I thought it was going to be like an Avicii situation where he flies off, disappears. Mm-hmm. But he, I think he enjoys his name in the right. Like, I think he enjoys this whole. He's probably making money off this documentary, right? Billy McFarlane. Oh, yeah. It has to be. I think the Hulu one he made money off of. Not the Netflix one? Because he likes. he's actually talking more in the the Hulu version, I guess. That's why like that one might be a little better. Yeah, but he would still. He's the one who brought in the guy to film him. So he owns those rights. So the film, the, the footage that they were using in his hotel. McFarlane's definitely making money off of those things. He's not making enough money to pay back anybody, though. 30 right. some million dollars or whatever. But that was incredible, man. Mm. It was awesome. I'm happy I didn't buy tickets to that. <laughs> <laughs> I do kind of wish Diggs you won. Yeah, I do too. Oh, for the story, awesome. but an incredible yeah. story. Yeah, by the way, all those people that were at that thing, I mean, the biggest fucking little punk bitches. <laughs> Anybody that's buying tickets to that thing, actually following through, not just wanting to go, but actually following through and going to that. I mean, they were acting like they were in Vietnam. It's like, bro, you're in the Bahamas still. <laughs> yeah, that was the only part that I didn't agree with. Like, they're freaking out. Oh, yeah. my God, we got my bed's wet. Yeah. How <laughs> about the one the guy? fucking Bahamas. The one guy was like, yeah, we went around to the other tents and started poking pissing. holes and pissing on them and taking their beds. I was like, that's, that's a wild move, vigilante. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just for future reference, even if this fire festival was set up right, I think if you do that, still a bad scene. <laughs> <laughs> still a bad festival for a lot of people. Did you feel bad for the lady who owned the bar or whatever? Uh, yeah, yeah. Her painter. I think that is yeah, reason the why workers, think, too. That is why I think Billy McFarlane is such a terrible human, strictly because of that woman. That woman, man, she cut cut to the soul there. For oh me. yeah, when she paid back everybody, right? That worked. She tried her best. How about the Bohemian guy who was like, they were coming to me for money. I was like, I ain't got the fucking money. <laughs> he said, peace out, peace <laughs> out. I went back to another island. Said they were putting hits out on people How to get B- their money. Billy calls him in the middle of the interview. Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> Why is oh, Billy weird. still calling that guy? I wonder. Billy's still trying to cook up Firefest. <laughs> Billy's a schemer, man. He's a schemer. I saw the Avicii documentary. Have I talked about that on here yet? Mm-hmm. No. Avicii is definitely alive. That is a fake death if I've ever seen one in my entire life. Now, apparently, if he passed away, very sad. Hate it. But they filmed everything. They knew he was going to be a monster, and they filmed everything. From him creating the first couple 
sounds mm -hmm. of songs mm -hmm. all the way through the production all the way through his tours 500 and some shows in the first fucking two years all the way through the whole thing they filmed everything it felt like and the way for that thing they talked he talked open about it being the death of him mm -hmm. uh, in the documentary yep. which is why i think that he was talking like that for the documentary in a setup at the end, the way to get out of that and disappear and not have to deal with any bullshit again is the same way Tupac did, mm -hmm. which is the old fake your death thing. If he did pass away, very sad. The world lost an incredible person. But the end of that Avicii one makes me think he did not die. I love that. And I in the, that so much. the Malibu part where he goes to Malibu yes. and he just turns his phone off for eight months. like He was basically off the grid for eight months during his like peak of his fame before his stories album, I think they said. Right when he canceled the tour, I think. Yeah. Hey, that Malibu setup oh. with his studio. That's the goal I was going to say to you. That is the goal. That is the goal. That exact house. Yeah, there's an island I found for $4.75 million. <laughs> it's an island in the Bahamas because nice. I looked up after. Does it have infrastructure? Well, yeah, it does. Good. <laughs> there's a couple down there that don't. They're like $15 million. But I looked up Norman K. Because of the fire thing. Right. And I was like, they said they bought an island. So that's possible. So I Googled how much is a Bahamas island. Yeah. I found one. $4.75 million. That is goal. And also the house in Malibu that fucking album. Avicii rented to do his album. They were they set up a studio. in. Have you any, Who's all seen it in here? I've Everybody? seen it. Yeah. So they set up in this Malibu house. has all this glass, right? Glass windows just staring off to the beach into the ocean. Mm -hmm. Just peace and quiet everywhere. They set their studio up in there. So they're literally just staring off into the, the sunset in the Pacific Ocean yep. in this mansion in Malibu on the beach. And that's where he's making his music. It's where he's living and traveling from. It's where he got a dog from. I mean, it was just like a, it was a perfect setup. I was like, this is it right there. So that and the island, those two things. Avicii disappeared to an island. Some third world country yep. disappeared in that yep. island. And the last shot is him like playing a guitar with this drone that kind of disappears. And there's nobody else on the island, it seems like, except for him. I'm like... That would be the place where you could tell <laughs> yeah. the local government, hey, yeah. will you just say I'm dead? Mm -hmm. This would be a good way to disappear. I don't know. If he did pass away, very sad. But I think there's a chance that old Avicii's still imagine, dead. Imagine if he's still alive. I don't think he is. <laughs> I don't think he is. So he comes back in like 20 years, does one last song. How much do you pay? How much do you think people pay for that concert? It would be the tour. It'd be like the Back from the Dead tour. Yeah, that'd be that, hysterical. That tour so would cool. make. It'd make a gajillion dollars. <laughs> yeah. Because all he has to say is he didn't know he was turned his phone off. He didn't know that they had reported him dead. He was just living off of by himself. Yeah. What about taxes and shit like that? Well, he's in his third world country. He's living in his third world country. It's He's living in, what was the country? Madagascar. Yeah, yeah he's in some island out in the middle of fucking nowhere, just living. There's cell phones everywhere. Dead. Yeah, but he can just say. <laughs> He yeah. can just say that his is turned off. Like mm -hmm. I think the only way you get around faking your death, right, would be to say you didn't know that people pronounce you dead. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, you just say, I'm plugged, man. I am plugged. I'm back. So that could I be know. like five years from now. It doesn't even have to be 20 years from now. It's wow. wild. Got a whole That's album. wild. Cause what, what's, I think the country of Owanu, Onau, mm. I looked it up. Some <laughs> tiny little country. Look it up. Avicii's death. Some tiny country announces death. Tiny. Hmm. And I was like, wow, that seems like it. Hmm. I mean, if the Mexican president's getting paid off, <laughs> that's a pretty big country. I would assume that if... Muscat, Oman. Oman? Oman. Yeah. I would assume that there was... In Muscat, Oman is where they announced him dead. Mm -hmm. I would assume that there's some government officials that you could shake some hands of. They could pronounce you dead, right? Oh, yeah. 
For sure. I would assume that that it is some cost of you money anything he had to. Yeah. He had 500 some shows, 500 festivals in two years. The <laughs> amount of money that fucking Avicii made for himself and for everybody associated with him is next level. And you say it all the time, all the time. The fucking money doesn't bring happiness. And that's all I could think about during that whole entire documentary. Sad, wasn't it? it was Very sad, sad watching that whole thing. But they did end it making you think this guy might be alive still. And I think they did that on purpose. The, out Him out in that fucking yes, island. Absolutely. I think everyone had to have the same thought. I think he's still alive. Yeah, Mike, po- Dead! Mike Posner just wrote a whole album about him dying. I don't know if he'd do that to Mike. I don't think him and Mike were that tight. I I, you think Mike was hanging on? You think Mike was just playing up his relationship? I think Abitha was <laughs> kind of like uh, Avicii's Southern. So I, if I learn anything from that Avicii documentary is that Abitha is the Southern California of Europe. Mm-hmm. So if it, that's yeah. where you go, it's like the Southern. Because Europe is basically like America, right? Mm-hmm. It's just countries instead of states that... I'm not saying they're anything like our states, but it is if you look at Europe like that, as opposed to looking at each individual country, I think Ibiza is where all the Europeans escape to. Oh, it's definitely the they party do. island. Do, yeah. yeah, it's like Southern California. Mm-hmm. Avicii ran Ibiza there for a while. I oh, think yeah. that was oh, his. Yeah. I think that was his place. And I would assume if you go to uh, Ibiza. And you're in the music business. You go kiss the ring of Avicii, I assume. I don't know if Posner and him are best friends. Posner was not in the documentary. No, no. So I don't know if he was in the tight circle. But I would assume if you go to Ibiza and you see Avicii and you're a, a musician, your boys, your friends. But I don't think he's in the tight. I don't think he's in the tight circle. Like well, I keep saying this. If he's dead. Dead! If he's that, very sad. But... Seems as if if I am going to try to disappear, I'm going to Madagascar and then I'm telling somebody in Oman that I'm dead. Yeah. The way they say he died too, wild. Shard of glass? Stabbed himself with a shard of glass Jeez. from a bottle? Really? That's what, yeah, I looked into it. I thought yeah. it was an overdose. That was an OD, so did I. Yeah, it wasn't. It was not an overdose. It was a fucking shard of glass from a bottle. Yeah, That's the- a wild decision. And then his parents came out and their quote wasn't that of a... A distressed family. Mm-hmm. What'd they say? Yeah, they weren't mourning. No, they were like, he lived a life that we should celebrate. It wasn't like, uh, mm-hmm. it wasn't yeah. like a super, suspect. Like you know what I mean? tired of everybody yeah. else. Well, if he like was sad, maybe that is something those parents would say. I agree. That's why there's two ways to look mm-hmm. at it. There's two ways to look at every single thing. Look at all the facts from it and watch that thing as if he is still alive and has faked his death. And then also watch it from <laughs> as he's, he well, actually Well, you know side I've gone to. You think he's alive? Yeah, what if sure. yeah, what sure. if Avicii died, but Tim, Tim Bergling is still alive? alive <laughs> yeah, because they, they call him Tim. A lot of people were calling him Tim, and in the documentary, they actually say like, uh, you know, Tim's dead. Avicii's everything now. There's no more Tim, really. It's wow. just Avicii. So maybe they go to Amon wow. after his retirement. Avicii's dead. Mm. Tim Bergman's still alive. Right. Something. I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised. He hated that Arash guy towards the end. Oh, yeah. Osh, yeah. his manager. Yeah. He hated him. They made a lot of fucking money together, though. That Osh was Billy McFarland there <laughs> early for him. But it was... We need, more shows. We need an Arash, by the way. So I can hate him in five years. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll make $100 million, uh in the next couple of years. I, I, I think Avicii's still alive. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of watching. I want just one of those people to actually Come still back. be alive. You know what I mean? Because there's so many stories and so many people. But also, it would be such a great story because 
yeah, I know he had more money than everybody, and you you know it, times that times a hundred because of where he's at, because the exchange rate, so he could control his own little universe. But the discipline it takes to never leave that little island for that amount of time. But I is, think he could travel. I think Avicii, because even in that documentary, he looked like three different dudes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. When he was hungover, he looked like a guy. Whenever he was dressed up, he looked like a different guy. And then whenever he was younger, he looked he looked like four different guys. Yep. Yeah. All, all had a similar shape of the face i guess but they his i i don't doubt he could do that but when you start doing that you involve so many more people now that now you're involving another 10 people to get you to where you need to go I don't know. if you throw a chain. fake mustache on him he uh, looks yeah. like a way different person well, I, dye your hair you yeah i know that but i mean you're involving more people in the story i think his friends he has that tight group that was with him everywhere yeah uh, they obviously know it's like, where are those guys living at now? Yeah. And if they're it. all living back in America, then maybe he is dead. But if they're still living abroad, <laughs> let's just assume <laughs> that they are living with a guy who did 500 and some shows in two years. Festivals, not just shows. The amount of money that motherfucker has to Dude. have. Oh, man. Has to have. He didn't s- stop. It's he like did when not Vince stop. disappeared to the island. Who? Vince. Vinny Chase. Exactly. Avicii said that he didn't even know it was possible mm-hmm. to go Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night. Yep. Stopped on Wednesday for some reason. Wednesday was like, <laughs> a, he said, I didn't even know it was possible to do that until we just started doing it. And then we didn't stop. And then it was like three years straight of that, of wow. partying and DJing six nights out of the week, wow. traveling. Boom, 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 boom. I watched something with Steve Aoki. He said the same thing. He basically trained his body to sleep like three hours a night We've heard of, of DJs doing a show here in Indianapolis at 9 p.m. Eastern, and then after the show, flying to Vegas to do their normal spot at a Vegas. At a Vegas <laughs> Not Waka, DJs. Waka did that, though. Waka yeah. left Indy, and I think he went to Boston. Or maybe you want West. I guess you would have to go West mm-hmm. to save the time. He did a show here in India and then flew somewhere to do another show that same night. Mm. Same show, two of them, same night. It was just like, what a fucking hustle. These guys are wow. just making cake. Yeah. Making cake. Good for them. That's what we should start doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Avicii would make $500,000 per gig. He did 500 of them. <laughs> go ahead and Google that real quick. What is that, 250 million? Mm-hmm. Jeez. Use a calculator. I think that's right. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty spot on. In what, two years? <laughs> <laughs> and that's just on shows. Yeah. It's got all these bangers out, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's on, unreal. On hey, brother, <laughs> I got more money than all your mother. His, uh, his net worth was 85 mil, yeah. so I, I can imagine you could live on... Yeah. On an island for a while. Yeah. In a third world country. Yeah. And that was after he gave away a bunch to charity. It was 85 mil. Yeah, that's like a billion dollars where he went to hide out. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know, it really is. And it looks like that, too, with the drone shot. Yeah. He has an entire island mm-hmm. to himself. It's a dream, boys. <laughs> Hopefully one day I'll be able to say I'm fake dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'll all just live in some island. It'd be nice. It would be, be nice. nice. It'd be real be nice. Awesome. we get bored, though. You would. You would for sure. Oh. <laughs> hey, you just put 18 holes on that island. I'm good. That's all I need. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess if you get a little office golf setup. <laughs> <laughs> who would you tell? Like, Who would you be like your close? So the set? issue here, let's think about this. No one. If Avicii isn't wifed up, or if he is, I don't know if he's wifed up. I guess he was. 
I guess he was, and his girlfriend always posts about missing him and stuff. So that was the only thing that got me. He couldn't fornicate with random ladies. No. If no. he's a dead person. Mm-hmm. Couldn't do that. Unless, Why not? Because then they know. Yeah, but they don't know it's him. It could just be some random guy. Uh, true. If he's assumed a complete, yeah, it's just other some, identity. It's just some random rich just, guy living in fucking Middle East. It would have to just be prostitutes, I guess. Yeah, could probably be. like the, those women, like the Arab sheiks flying well, yeah, in like stuff. Well, yeah, like in Oman, like you know how many Omanians do you think know of each? I don't think he lives in Oman. I think he went to Oman because he could tell, he could get the Oman well, people. Wherever so he's at. I think he's many? living on his island in Madagascar. Yeah. If you see this documentary, you see this island, it's like I would never... It's a beautiful place. I've seen the uh, I've seen the uh, animated film. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I have. That's but, good. I'm surprised you haven't. You're a big animated. I film am guy. an animated. Guy. How a good come one? there's not a documentary good. Finding Avicii right now? I mean, there, I, I bet you there happen. is. There really should be at this point. Three college kids go there. Say, hey, we're taking a one way trip. Let's go. Let's, let's bring our it. cell phones. Let's do it ourselves. To be the number let's one go. podcast for three months. Yeah, Todd. Let's, let's go doing PI. That's yeah. that'd be your thing. Let's kick it in. You got the brain too. Hey, see you guys. We got all these guys. <laughs> Use our skills. Let's go. We'll find him. It was sad watching Avicii battle through that though. Very. It was very sad watching him. Just the ups and downs. All I ever wanted when I was a kid was money. That's all I ever wanted. I didn't care how I was going to get it. Professional wrestling, cool. I'll go do that. Stand-up comedy, cool, I'll do that. Professional soccer player, cool, I'll do that. Football, I'll do that. However I get a shit ton of money, that is what I'm going to go do. It's the mm-hmm. only thing I wanted. Then you get a bunch of money, and you're like, man, this is nothing like what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was all going to be great. I thought everything was going to be perfect. gives you a lot of freedom, but it doesn't necessarily equate to happiness. And there's only so many people that can say that without people believing it. But until you experience it yourself, it's just a whole different animal. And Avicii very much was experiencing that. Absolutely. You have everything in the palm of your hand, everything you could possibly want. But happiness doesn't come from that. Happiness comes from inside. It's a real thing. Happiness is a real thing inside. And I don't – you can take this from me. I haven't been wealthy. I've been rich. I I haven't got to the wealthy stage yet. I plan on doing it because I want my kids' kids to be comfortable. But happiness doesn't come from that. And I've bought some shit that should make me a lot of happiness. <laughs> and it's it's like deep inside, it's not the answer. It's sad. Sad to think about. And that documentary is basically, like Foxy said, a visual representation of that just mm-hmm. from beginning to end. I would assume, too, he probably has one of those weird, obsessive personalities. And I have a little bit of that, too. So I could see how, like, if you get into that world... In order to maintain the schedule like he did, he has to be just over-the-top obsessive compulsive. You know what I mean? Like, I'm in this. Now, I can't stop doing it. I want more. If I can make that much, I I can make twice that the next week. I don't think it was just him. I think it was he had a guy named Arash who yes. was his manager. That's who it was. Arash was the guy who is the he's the mind behind it. He was the one setting up all the shows. He wasn't even going on the trips anymore. So he was just setting up the shows mm-hmm. from a third location. So he didn't have to do the travel, 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 show, party, travel anymore. He was just setting it up as like a business, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we'll do this. Yeah, you can get to this. Technically, you can get this. Is what happens? So when somebody who has never played football decides to coach football now granted charlie weiss is an exception and i assume there's some other exceptions but there's things that you see on film or you see on a piece of paper that should work okay so this guy has four seconds to get from here to here he should be able to do that when you get here i want you to flip turn and block this guy right so they'll draw it on a screen they'll be like cool you can get from here to here flip turn block this guy but in real it's just like in solly you ever seen solly yeah so in solly they're like he had enough time to change the landing thing if they just go 
strictly by the amount of time it should take. Right. They didn't take into account the human, the thought of like the panic, the yeah. 30 seconds, mm -hmm. right? That's what saved Sully at the end of the day. Right. It was an anniversary. Just like in football, if you have somebody who doesn't coach football, try to coach football, they start thinking things are just technically correct, exactly. right? So like he can get from here to here. He can technically do that. Let's make him do that. Mm -hmm. And then once to try it out, normally it doesn't work. That's kind of what was happening with Avicii. They had somebody who was like, technically you can get from this show in California to this show in Ibiza in a day and a half. Mm -hmm. So we can set you up for a festival here, a festival here. Then we can get you back to here in Miami. Then we can get you to here. Just technically it could all work. They don't take into account though that it isn't a video game. Like Avicii isn't a fucking video yeah. game. He's an actual human whose body is going to collapse and crash, mm -hmm. which is going to bring down his mental state of mind because he's no longer happy because it's a job instead of a hobby. Mm -hmm. It's just that those are the types of things that, and it's greed. Greed gets a hold of everybody. It That's seems. what it was. At the very end, Avicii's like, I don't see a reason why I should do another show. And the manager's like, I understand that, but there's this gig, and this is how much money you guys are going to lose if you don't do the show. And then it was like, fuck. Like, that's when I felt really, really bad. What was the money? Uh, I don't remember the number. I don't think they gave the number. I don't think they did either. But I, I don't think they gave the number strictly because they knew how many people mm. were going to be watching. Yes. But I was, inter I was interested to hear that number, by the way. I yeah. was like, as soon as we got to that part, I like lifted my ear. I was like... <laughs> what what's his number here how much are we losing with these next two shows i think the world would like to know how much he's losing but i mean he made a shit ton i think he's still alive i still think he's still alive his move is the open hand throw i love that move to the crowd yeah by the way it's an open hand from throw. behind it looks so cool from behind how about the fireworks head go oh, off God. his last show by the way he was late for like 40 minutes or like an hour. <laughs> yeah, they tried to make him look bad. It's his last fucking show, though. Yeah, Everybody yeah. in the crowd knew it was his last show, too. You just go ahead and buckle the fuck up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They were showing the crowd, and they were like trying to make him look bad. They're like, these people are waiting for him. It's like, yeah, it's his no last show. No one looked show. miserable. They were like, no. wait, like they were so happy. they're all on so uh, yeah. many fucking drugs. <laughs> <laughs> they, no one looked miserable. <laughs> Avicii's a stud. And then working with all the other musicians... Like Wyclef Sean said he was like Bach in Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. He said he has an entire symphony in his head. He said, for me, I got to play the guitar or something like that. For Avicii, the entire symphony is just in his head. So he knows exactly what's going to happen. It's exactly like Bach was or Michael Jackson was like. And watching him kind of command the room whenever these other huge musicians were in the room was wild because he's this 24 year old uh -huh. kid with a well all he had was a fucking steve jobs mac and he was <laughs> wow. like uh okay do this and then he was like demanding this and demanding that it's like crazy to watch him kind of re interact with other legends of that music. that footage was incredible incredible it was almost hard to believe that they got it yeah because you got these musicians that are so famous and stuff and you're, you're they're just letting them film the whole time oh the a whole lot of times like you always say it to me you're like you know place and time for yeah. when the camera's on yeah yeah because you got to read the room yes they always had it on. avici owned the room yes. every room he walked into <laughs> it, was, it felt as if the music musicians were like oh this is the guy in charge here. Exactly. i feel like that guy was hidden most of the time though like he was just like yep a friend that was just on the side i really times. thought he was holding the cell phone like just whenever he got into a room where something was happening he would just be sitting in the corner i don't want to I don't want to say like creepily recording, but I don't think everybody knows that they're being recorded yeah. until afterwards. And they're like, hey, we recorded. Is there any way we could use it? We'll make you look good in it. Is mm -hmm. there any way we could do that? Because there's a lot of natural reactions from people, too. So there's no way that they were told that they were being filmed beforehand. In my eyes. No, I, I think you're 100% right. I could be wrong. I think it's like a side shot from the corner. Like, what's that called? 
Oh, it's a uh, candid kind of candid. Yeah, is it candid yeah, camera? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. there, there's no way if you're it's in like the a hospital, hidden camera almost. Yeah, basically. yeah. Like there's no way if you're in the hospital, like the doctors allow you just to, just to film that all. Like, yeah, because obviously you all have friends in there, but like he was hidden. Like, so they finish filming though, and they go to the doctors like, "Hey, can we use it?" And they're like, "No." So they just blurred out the doctors' faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like asking for forgiveness instead of permission, basically. Exactly. The candid hidden camera though is a great way to get all that fucking footage. Absolutely, yeah. Foxy, you should think about it. I am now. Whatever I'm. Hey, why isn't Dateline down on the island trying to find this guy? <laughs> I honestly that, don't that's know. perfect for your world. I yeah. mean, you can figure out the Avicii thing with Keith Morrison on a Friday night. But Dateline, though, <laughs> Dateline's always behind. Dateline's always a couple weeks behind. They just did the R. Kelly special on Friday after the Surviving R. Kelly documentary mm-hmm. came out. By the way, I watched that. That guy's a terrible human. Bad guy. D- terrible human. R. Kelly's a bad, 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 Not bad, great. bad guy. Bad guy. Not great. Can't let him out. Can't let him be around you. Predator. <laughs> predator. <Yeah. laughs> Full on predator. People had to knock on walls when they were going room to room so he knew where you were <laughs> in his house. What a fucking guy, dude. Jesus. Guy. <laughs> guy. <laughs> like that location? I didn't, I didn't see it. So he has a mansion in Atlanta. He has a mansion in Chicago. He has all these places where all these women live, and they're basically being out hostage pretty yeah. much. And if you wanted to walk through the house to get to another, you had to ask for food. You had to ask for permission for food. You had to do all this stuff. But even if you wanted to change rooms, you had to like knock on the wall, and then somebody could give you permission to go into the next room. So if you want to walk through, like, let's say there's a lobby to the house. You want to walk through the lobby into the dining room. You have to wait in the lobby, knock on the wall. There's no door into the dining room. But somebody in the dining room of R. Kelly or one of his people would be like, yeah, you can come in here. Because wow. these are like his there might friends. be some weird shit going on in that room. Yeah, <laughs> that you're not allowed to see. I believe that's probably it. Uh, he had a girl who was a trainer that lived in each house. She was supposed to train the girls on how R. Kelly likes to be treated. Jesus. What the madam? He's a cult leader. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's a cult leader. That's exactly what he is. Got them all brainwashed. He knows what he's doing. The one girl was on Dateline. She was like, every time we had sex, he would tell me to tell me how old I was. So I would tell him I was 16, and then he would force me to call him daddy afterwards. And he would ask me that the entire time we were having sex. How old are you? And I would say, I'm 16, daddy. She was just saying this on the camera. And I'm like, wow. How old was she? Fuck. In reality, how old was she? Uh, She seemed like she was probably in her early 20s. So this probably happened years ago. But she was 16. But she, oh, at the time, the time. she was? Yeah, she yeah. was actually oh. 16. Yeah. Wow. yeah, that's his thing. That was his thing, was really young girls. And all of his, him and Aaliyah, she, he got married to Aaliyah when she was 15. Like, actually married to Aaliyah when she was 15. And she's dead, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she yeah. passed away? Mm-hmm. Yeah, plane crash. Plane crash. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh. R. Kelly, let's not, let's not rule R. Kelly out of that. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. Or get away from him. Mm-hmm. You said it. I was going to say it, but I stopped. What's that? That's how you get away from Mark Kelly. Kill yourself. Do you think Aaliyah killed herself to get away know. from Mark Kelly? Definitely We're a thought. Yeah, it's definitely We're not outside here. the realm of possibility. Or you, or you fake a plane crash. And- think of the mental effects you know, oh. that going through that has on you. Like, he can't show up. He can't show up in public again. No. Right? He's, All I mean, he's, he's, he's done, right? Done. I mean, he's done. Only done, because done. of this lifetime special, surviving R. Kelly. He still had five, six shows booked around the country that they got dropped, and his label just dropped them. I guess RCA. I read yeah, that. Recently yeah, recently they just Which dropped them. It's weird, wild because this has been. I mean, these stories have been out for a long yeah. time. Yeah, interesting Pretty- to see if he gets convicted of this charge. With the fourteen-year-old, I think he. I think he has a bunch of them waiting on deck, though. Charges mm. wise, I yeah. think he has a. Bunch One's got a stick. 
Yeah. One of them. This is like the OJ situation. You're talking mm-hmm. 30 years for that, probably. 20, 30 years. He would get fucked up in jail, too, right? Oh, oh yeah. Because yeah, he's fucking be up little girls? Trauma mm-hmm. luster, yeah. Oh, good for R. Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> you probably hold some concerts in jail, probably. I'll just hide in the closet. <laughs> Trap in the closet. I guess that Aaliyah album that he made, um, there was one girl that was in the house, one of the houses while he was married to Aaliyah, said that entire album is basically a depiction of exactly what was happening in that relationship. So he would, he has a lot of lyrics that are very suspect. Like, I guess in, he says this is for the younger girls and the older girls. Like, he even said, like, I think he was pretty open. Like, mm-hmm. like I think they had to edit out some stuff from some songs, like, to him. Like, hey, you can't be saying this exactly. Like, I think there was, like, a... I think there was a potential conversation about like a 14 year old in one of his songs. They were like, yo, you can't, you can't just, <laughs> you can't just. but it was wild that he survived all those years, made a lot of money too, man. A lot of fucking money. Yeah. A lot of good documentaries out there. I think you should go out and learn a little bit. Murder Mountain, Avicii one, Fire Fraud. The Dawn Wall. Or Kelly one. Hmm? Huh? The Dawn Wall. Anyone? Hmm? Just rock climbing. Yeah. Oh yeah, I saw I saw that. Why are you so obsessed with rock climbing? There there's a new rock climbing spot downtown. You made like an announcement to the entire crowd. Is, <laughs> is that like your thing? No, it's not, but I'm just I'm thrilled by watching guys go up especially not wearing anything to stop their Those fall guys do amazing. By putting a cre- a half of a fingertip in a crease yeah. and then shitting in a bag on the side of the mountain and then sleeping there at night and saying, "Yeah, I've only got 700 more yards to go." I, I agree. That, I agree. That's just crazy. I me. agree that that particular human is a very interesting Nuts. One. And they're normally gypsies, too. They just drive around their vans. They mm-hmm. make no money. Yeah. Is it for the picture? I don't even know if they have technology. I, I, think it's, I said it the other I think it's strictly for adrenaline. Mm-hmm. Like it's that something that they just do for adrenaline. It's like old Frenchie Flies, the guy that you sent me the video of, the man who he put himself in a, a catapult and launched himself off of a cliff with a selfie stick. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah and so then yeah. put the parachute up. I guess he's dead. Yeah. I <laughs> guess, really? I guess he's. What shoot didn't open? Uh, I don't know if a shoot didn't open or he flew one, not on that particular one, but one of his, I guess that was his thing is he liked to go cliff jumping. Mm-hmm. I guess he hit a cliff, died. It was, um, there's another documentary on Netflix about the, uh, squirrel jumping suit people. Mm-hmm. Oh. One of them died during filming. One of them died during. The I don't know how more don't die. That's what I'm saying. A lot you, you don't hear a about lot like four a week. These adrenaline chasers. I think there should be some medicine for these. Yeah. Honestly, what I think there doing? should be some sort of, me- it's a gift. It's a gift to be able to do that. I think we need adrenaline junkies in our lives to test the limits of things. I do believe that. But I think it sounds like every time that sound is made, I don't know what it is. There's like a a chair. Sounds like a yeah. I just heard it for the first time. But it sounds like the R.I.P. Sea of Japan. (laughs) (laughs) Like a little pan flute. I've heard it three, four times now so far, and every time I hear it, I think that tire you have hit play on the R.I.P. (laughs) Sea of Japan. I think it's Zito's chair. But I. I don't know. We'll hear it. It'll come. It'll come naturally. But I think um, I think there should be some way to deal with that. I don't think that should be something that's just like, yeah, they're gentle and It's just what they are. Yeah, they just like jumping out of planes with no parachutes. It's <laughs> uh, like, is it, yeah. I feel like we should maybe look out for these guys and girls that are doing this because it seems like more often than not they end up. Yeah, I don't for know the how you squirrel get that. suits, are they, do they Dead! have uh, parachutes? What's that? The squirrel suits have parachutes? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They're inside of them. We think mean? they're nuts, right? Oh, like we think they're nuts, those people? Rock climbers, parachute, or, or squirrel divers? I want to go squirrel they're diving. They're nuts, right? So Respect bad. Them. I love the videos. So bad. I want to do it one but, time. But see, 
people think you're nuts for playing in the National Football League with, with 11 guys coming at you trying to get in your face mask. I guess that is true. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's teach your own. I mean, like, no, there's people like, I would never play in an NFL game. Would not do it. That's not crazy. But what if they do stand up? Yeah. But, but would you want to do it? Yeah, stand if, up, yes. If yeah. you knew that every time you went out on the field, if get you didn't do it right, paycheck. you would die. Or if you're getting a huge paycheck, too. Yeah. Yeah. You're getting a yeah, huge true. paycheck. I don't know if those people that are squirrel jumping are getting huge fucking <laughs> yeah. paycheck. Oh, a lot of them yeah. are paying for it themselves. Well, yeah. Red Bull's behind them somewhere. Some think, of them, right? It's like last night. Whenever Zerline was about to hit that 57-yarder, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I was so fucking nervous Dude. for Johnny Hecker and the snapper and mm-hmm. Zerline. I was oh, so yeah. nervous. I, I was like, man, I don't know how I was ever in that situation. <laughs> I was so fucking nervous. Colquitt was punting, backed up out of his end zone. I was like, oh, my God, you had a shitty one here. Tom Brady's definitely going to score. You're fucked. I was like starting to think of all these situations, and I was like, I don't know how I did that. I honestly have no clue how. I, did. I guess, but when you're in it, you don't even think about it. And you're it. in control. Yeah. Like I, you'd always rather be in control than watching it and hoping. Well, in like two out of three punts, just for instance, I mean, the, the, the amount of time difference between that guy getting a fingertip on the ball and not is a millisecond. So I mean, it's like, whoa. Every time. I never thought about it when I was in a game, honestly. I never really got I never really got nervous. And that might sound interesting. I never got nervous. I always got like excited though. I was always mm-hmm. like, ah, I can't wait to get out there and do my thing. But now that I'm turned into a fan and watching, mm-hmm. I get fucking like I'm like I'm like looking away on this. <laughs> I'm like, come on, man. Like just make it, please, so we don't have another Cody Parkey situation. <laughs> please fucking God make the 48. 48- All right, it's good. Good. And then the 57 yarder that's a fun one though because nobody expects you to make it mm-hmm. you miss a 57 yarder no one's expecting you to drilled. make it it's like a thing that's like a fun one I, I i was excited to film that i was excited to film that but i didn't put out a for the brand video for the 48 yarder because i was like i couldn't even fucking watch i'm like ah oh, <laughs> the nfc fucking championship <laughs> this is a huge moment after the bird box situation great weekend get out there and watch some shit i think we should make more documentaries yeah i think so too it'd be mm-hmm. fun it seems so easy to make man that murder mountain seems so easy. To make. Two years for a two-hour documentary. Though. I mean, you I mean, just find a cool ass story and then you you tell it. Two years? What do you mean? Well, I mean, you, you, if you're going to do a, a proper documentary in ninety minute, where you're going to have a beginning, a middle, and an end, and there is a solution or there's not a solution at the end, that's two years. Uh, it I depends disagree. on what, time, I don't think what so. story you're telling. I disagree completely. That murder mountain <laughs> was what four interviews? They did four sit down interviews with people. They had the Vietnam guy. They had the two old ladies. They mm. did like four or five interviews. You knock that out in like three four days. Yeah. You just have to get the reenactors. They had uh, reenactments, I guess. That's yeah. the only thing yeah. you got. And I assume about. probably like that crew was probably working on four different documentaries simultaneously because mm-hmm. you do have to wait for certain events to happen. They needed the new development and the missing kid story to happen so they could go cover that. You know what I mean? But they were probably traveling around working on other ones. You need is a story. You just need the story, and then you have to tell it. But boy, that Murder Mountain one was an eye opener. Murder Mountain one. Mm-hmm. Would love to say that I haven't thought a couple mornings waking up and just disappearing <laughs> <laughs> to either Humboldt County or to Madagascar. <laughs> I would love to say that I haven't thought about it, but boy, these that Humboldt County. That guy was a Utah uh, lobbyist. Yeah. He was a lobbyist. He like was, a big wig. He is a big wig yeah. in Utah. Now he's a criminal in Humboldt County, just fucking <laughs> riding around on ATVs with bandanas over his face, just living life like an outlaw. Yeah. You'd rather go to Madagascar, though, obviously, right? Yeah, I would. For sure, yeah. For sure. But, I mean, there's Being some, an outlaw, that would be pretty cool. There's something cool about just being out in the wild, wild west with no fucking rules. 
I know. I think about that sometimes, especially like somewhere out like where you, if you had a ranch, you know what I mean? You had your own horses and quads and yeah. shit. You could go out shooting whenever you wanted and just kind of hang out there for a while. That'd be pretty cool. I'd probably be a revolver guy. Hashtag end gang, hashtag end game. I want you to tweet either Goodell or somebody at the NFL to listen to Florio's explanation of how we fix the NFL. Say you heard it on this show. You like what the Italian was saying, and let's fix the NFL together. This is a team effort. No prizes except for a better league mm-hmm. next year because mm-hmm. of this. Let's band together. Let's rally the troops. Let's get our social initiative together and start tweeting at Goodell and at the NFL that they should listen to this and get the right answer for the future of the NFL. That's all I got. I think that was a pretty good little motivation. That was nice, yeah. I hope you're running through a wall. At least tap it on your screen. At Kamish, I think his name is. Roger Goodell. Mm-hmm. Or NFL Commish. One you of the get two. it. At NFL Commish. You'll find it. And you say, hey, Cuzzy, you should go check out the Pat McAfee Show 2.0 today. Paisan Florio solves the game. That was an incredible idea by him. Mm-hmm. And also the boys, great conversation out of them today. Tweet us anything that you notice from the show that you like and any corrections that we have. Conan O'Brien has this thing where it's like, correct my mistake and it's a whole thing. I feel like we make a lot more than he does. <laughs> so I'd like to hear them. We appreciate you all so much. Have an incredible Tuesday. Heartland Radio 2.0 is tomorrow. We will see you Thursday with Chuck Pagano. Ooh, Chuck Pagano coming in on Thursday. Should be a good conversation. He's the DeBarris D coordinator, and he's one of the most hilarious humans I've ever heard in my life. Have a good Tuesday. Appreciate you all. Ty Schmidt, hit the music. Feeling my way through the darkness, guided by a beaten heart. I can't tell where the journey will end. But I know where to start They tell me I'm too young to understand They say I'm caught up in a dream Well life will pass me by if I don't open up my eyes So that's fine by me So wake me up when it's all over
wish that I could stay forever this young Not afraid to close my eyes Life's a game made for everyone And love is the prize So wake me up 